Listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you for week three of Australia vs. Canada month. And today it's time for probably the most stereotypical movie we could do for any of these until Canada releases Canuck Dundee, because we're here <laughs> to do Crocodile Dundee, and for that I have to say Cheers, mate. Because this Australian button apparently is going to get a real good workout today. The iconic 1986 movie that basically put Australia on the map. Before this, those rumours about Australia not being real were true. Then this movie came out and then you looked at a map and there we were. There's Australia right down the bottom. Right next to Rand McNally. Right next to Rand McNally. This movie is an exact recreation of what every Australian is like. It is a true story. And there's plenty to talk about because I'm I'm very interested to talk about this movie today and continue on our lovely month that we are doing right now. My name is Ben and it's okay. I'm Australian. And my name is Colin. And what's the matter, Aussie boy? You're going to make like a kangaroo and hop away? <laughs> How did you know our number one insult in our country? <laughs> Never say that to an Australian. (laughs) (laughs) Them fighting words. Um, This movie is, yeah, I'd only ever seen it once. I remember, I think I was like in my teenage years and was at the, I think it was actually at the library. I don't even think it was at the video store. You know, the library would have DVDs (laughs) for free. Um, And I'm like, oh, I've never actually seen Crocodile Dundee. (laughs) I nearly got deported. Um, I feel like you're born and watch Australian movies. Here's Crocodile Dundee. Um, So I watched it and I remember thinking as as whatever age I was, like, yeah, it was pretty decent. Like, it wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. Um, Watched it this time around. I probably enjoyed it a lot more than I remembered, but there's still a lot. Like, I feel this movie is just there. Like, stuff happens. The end. Um, yeah. It's not really a plot. Nothing really happens. There's no conflict. It's just kind of a tour documentary. I feel this is this is me. This is Ben coming to Canada, right? Like <laughs> the Australian going to North America and adapting to life. Um, yeah, I mean, this is a fine movie. It's fun. It's entertaining. Um, but nothing really happens outside of usual movies. So I think we're going to trend oh. on this month, aren't we? Just movies and no. nothing happens month. <laughs> Yeah, I was about to say, is this the trend of Australian cinema? It's like, ah, oh, we got charming accents, nothing happens. <laughs> we don't need a story in Australia. We just, you need to see a good-looking bloke and a good-looking Sheila with a knife in New York and getting robbed, subtle racism, subtle homophobia, some sexual assault, boom, movie. Um, oh, you read that article too? Okay. I, well, I haven't read it. I've got it open. <laughs> <laughs> I read that yesterday. I'm like, oh, come on. I I, um, I read the headline and because it's from The Guardian, you know it's a true source, like uh, yeah. top quality journalism <laughs> there. And looking at the journalist himself, he's a bald guy with glasses who clearly doesn't get any sex, so he's trying to get into women's <laughs> pants by being a bit woke. Um, the headline, of course, I'm talking about is Crocodile Dundee was sexist, racist, and homophobic. Let's not bring that back by Luke Buckmaster otherwise known as Luke Fuckmaster, but we'll get to him. Um, <laughs> Crocodile Dundee, Colin. We had very similar histories with this movie because we both only seen it once. We both didn't really go out of our way to see it for a long time, and we both had the exact same reaction. Um, for me, I was in my, I think, early to mid-20s, 
And, uh, you know, this is before you could really watch something on your phone. Uh, I remember having like the, the, the iPods that played videos Yep. and, uh, I, I, w- I had long bus rides, so I threw a bunch of 80s movies that are like, oh, here's some movies that are considered classics that I've never got around to watching. I know one was Romancing the Stone, the other was Crocodile Dundee, and I watched that on the bus, you know, got through about half of the movie on the way to work, half the movie on the way home, uh, watching on a tiny screen like that, and had the exact same reaction as you. I'm like, yeah, it's not bad. I don't see why it was like the biggest movie ever when it came out. I mean, really the biggest movie in Australia, outside of Australia, this was a phenomenon. But uh, I I definitely see it as being more a likable movie than it is particularly entertaining or um, eventful. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's all resting on Paul Hogan's charm. Uh, I think the biggest takeaway for me is I feel like this is a movie that's very dated in that the further you get away from 1986, uh, and I think the more that Australia is exposed to the world is not even just looking back and seeing this is maybe a stereotypical depiction. It's almost like there is nothing particularly crazy about him. There are crazier people in America today on the news, on YouTube, <laughs> uh, on every street corner than you're going to get with Crocodile Dundee. So don't know how well the movie's going to hold up another generation after this, but there's still enough charm of it that it's likable. Yeah, I think... To me, it kind of reminded me a little bit of back on 007, download now, um, when we used to talk about movies, say, like Thunderball, where, you know, we can look at it now and go, oh, fuck, this is boring, this is long. But, like, you talked a lot about how, like, in the 60s, you know, seeing these locations, seeing underwater, seeing things like that, Mm. like, people weren't used to seeing that back in the time. And this is really, I think, a movie of its time because... I mean, Australia wasn't that exposed to the world at that point. Um, you know, it, it, people knew Australia. Of course they did. They knew our weird animals and things like that. But this was a time where the internet didn't exist. You know, I'm sure there were certain things on TV and people had been to Australia, but we weren't as exposed to the world as we are now. I mean, we talk so many times about how many Australians are in Hollywood now. I mean, it's just every movie has an Australian in it now, it basically seems. But this was something unique. And I actually, I actually thought this movie preceded the big boom to the States in terms of that famous throw another shrimp on the Barbie uh, ad, which we can talk about. But apparently that actually came before this. And then it kind of helped Paul Hogan come up with the idea for this movie. Um, You know, I I don't know. I'm sure Canada does it, but I don't know if you do it to the extent we do because you're next door to the States. So it's probably maybe more of a provincial thing that you do rather than a whole like come to Canada thing. Um, you know, it's, it's always tourism. been a thing in Australia where there's a big tourism campaign every couple of years of like, come to Australia. And the massive one that really set us out there to this day, which people still quote, is the throw another shrimp on the Barbie campaign that Paul Hogan was the face of. And that came out in 1984. And then essentially he was in New York, I think, promoting Australia or there for something. And he came yeah, up with Australia. promoting Australia. G'day. <laughs> Come to Australia. Okay. Tell us about this country. Well, you see, <laughs> Australia is a great project I've been working on for many years. Um, and he was in New York and basically came up with the idea of, hey, I wonder what um, you know a movie would be like of a of a real Australian bushman in the big city. And he also came up with the idea because there'd never really been a film selling Australia to the world before, and sort of it all came from there so this obviously started a massive boom for australia and i think kind of that all comes down to the 80s where australia wasn't 
widely known and shown in that part of the world and this opened up and I, I don't know if there's ever been a movie that has done that for a country before i mean correct me if i'm wrong colin but uh, or at I mean, for kazakhstan well of course <laughs> um clearly i moved to canada after seeing dead ringers um so that worked but um i mean th- that's where i think you talk about how big this movie got and we'll talk about this and I, I just looked it up. I thought this got overtaken by Australia and Australia as the most successful Australian film of all time, but it didn't. This still is the highest grossing Australian movie, at least at the Australian box office. Uh, maybe overseas, Australia or Babe ranked higher. Um, but actually, I'm looking here. Happy Feet is the highest grossing Australian film of all time now, followed by The Great Gatsby. And apparently Peter Rabbit is an Australian production. Sorry for that, world. Um, so, but in terms of Australian movies in Australia, this is still the biggest, uh, box office ever, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. It's definitely a movie of its time. I mean, all jokes aside about, uh, whatever his face is, fuck knuckle article, Luke Fuckmaster. There are definitely <laughs> things in this movie that don't really hold up 30 odd years later, but, um, again, it's still just entertaining. It's just kind of, you talk about like popular eighties movies, any movie really from the 80s or the past has its problems which don't hold up, but it's still, you can put this on and just take your mind off things and it goes by quickly. It's short. It's entertaining. Uh, you just have my mind spinning about the tourism campaigns that will open up for Treed Murray, where all the people <laughs> flocking to the tree that Murray climbed up in Treed Murray. Uh, <laughs> uh, one of the things you brought up there was just about the movies that outgross this. And, uh, you know, I'd be curious to do more digging because it, it it classifies like Happy Feet and Great Gatsby as Australian. I don't know, just because the the filmmakers themselves are Australian or were those movies financed completely Happy in Feet Australia? Happy was, uh, I know when that came out, that was very much promoted as like an Australian movie. Um, I mean, George Miller, obviously, but I think a lot of the financing and everything came from Australia because I, I definitely know that was heavily produced, uh, promoted as an Australian film. I mean, I would look at that as something like Mad Max, though. Like, obviously, always Mad Max has been considered Australian. So, I mean, I don't know how much Mad Max Fury Road made. I would have assumed that would be number one if you're classifying it that. Um, Great Gatsby, I think, was also always kind of... I think any Baz Luhrmann film is automatically considered an Australian film because um, mm-hmm. I think he does use a lot of Australian parts with it. But Peter Rabbit... <laughs> I thought that was British. I didn't know that had anything to do with Australia. <laughs> well, I'm just clicking through here with uh, Great Gatsby, and th- this is something that would more be a topic of conversation in future years because I've been thinking a lot now that we're close to wrapping this up about what would I pick for future years. And a lot of the movies that are classified as Canadian movies, to me, are like, okay, a Canadian directed this, uh, a Canadian wrote and directed it. It's financed partly by Canadian, a lot of co-productions. Great Gatsby seems like it's it's an American film that mm. Baz Luhrmann just used a lot of Australians for. And, and that's similar when I was thinking about David Cronenberg movies. To me, I would consider A History of Violence to not be a Canadian film. Uh, not just because it takes place in America, but I think a lot of the, the creative crew is American, whereas I would lean more towards uh, Eastern Promises to be a Canadian movie, even though it's 50% of British production takes place in uh, England and everything. Um, but th- that's kind of the distinction with the- these countries. Like, w- do we pick something that's 100% pure homegrown Australian Canadian, or we pick something that's, you know, 80% Australian Canadian? Yeah, I-, I know exactly what you mean because, um, 
I sort of tend to go with the real Australian because, like, I mean, when in your life mm-hmm. are you going to watch The Castle or Boytown? You're never going to. I'm never going to yeah. watch, you know, Dead Ringers or Men with Brooms if it wasn't for you, Treed Murray. You know, so like that's definitely going to be my preference. Like the, the like we've talked before about budgets and action movies, and I've mentioned Tomorrow When the War Began, which I think will be my number one choice for next year. That is as close to as an Australian blockbuster as you can get. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right, like with The Great Gatsby, you know. Leonardo DiCaprio, Tobey Maguire, like you've got big Hollywood A-listers and generally it kind of, if we've got a film like this, you've got like one, you know, when we had Mick Jagger come out and when we had like Orlando Bloom and Heath Ledger do Ned Kelly, like you kind of will get one to come out to do a film like this um, where mm-hmm. you don't have the entire cast. Um, yeah, so I, I, I mean, I, I've never really, when I think of Australian movies, Great Gatsby is definitely not one that comes to mind. <laughs> Uh, Happy Feet would be, though, because, as I said, Happy Feet Mm. was heavily promoted as an Australian film, um, at least in Australia. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's kind of one of those fine line things. Because, like, I was thinking the other day, like, are we going to get to do Canadian bacon in Canada? (laughs) That's not even a Canadian movie, is it? It's just bagging out Canada. But um, Crocodile Dundee, on the other hand, definitely an Australian movie. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And... uh, I think that the the idea behind making this movie is almost more interesting than the movie itself. Like you mentioned some of the things about Paul Hogan wanting to promote this. Uh, a lot of the other stuff about him specifically targeting this movie, the style of humor, the type of story, because he's like, I don't want to make a movie that is going to be a hit in Australia. I want to make an Australian movie that's going to be a hit everywhere else in the world. And I can't think of many Canadian movies that really went out of their way to do that. Uh, Canadian movies that do catch on you know, outside of Canada uh, are almost just, you know, by fluke. Airbud Air might be the one example of a Canadian movie. They're like, well, let's make a movie that would appeal to the mass audiences around the world. Uh, but uh, this, the first half of this movie, I forgot how much of it takes place in Australia. Like I, when I remembered watching this, I remembered maybe the first 20, 30 minutes being Australian, then it was all in New York. But it's really a 50-50 split, which I think yeah. is good because if this had been all in New York, it would have been harder to accept it as an Australian movie. Um, I also wonder how much of this, I, I heard that there were a lot of uh, uh, dubs, I guess, and uh, different takes that were used because some of the dialogue would only work in Australia and then some of it wouldn't. So I would love to see what the Australian cut of this is. I remember the first time I ever saw, um, I think the first, Mad Max was the first Mad Max and Road Warrior was the second, right? Sure. Okay, so the first one, Mad Max, the original Mad Max, I remember watching a dubbed version of it the first time because the Australian accents were too strong. So when they initially released it, it was like with Mel Gibson dubbed with an American accent, almost Arnold Schwarzenegger and Hercules in New York. Uh, But yeah, I I think the version I saw is probably the North American release of it. But I don't know if if there is an Australian version out there that's different in any way. Well, I feel I watched the Australian version. I mean, I could be wrong. Like I, I just the version I found legally online um, <laughs> to me doesn't change anything. But, I mean, maybe there isn't a more Australian version. I mean, we talk about when we did The Castle, I believe there's an American edit of The Castle where they change some things over. But um, well, it's, in, it's we, interesting we covered that they do to- that. We covered Total Drama Island last year where we just started recording Total Drama Action, going to be coming soon, season two. Uh, and that's a Canadian animated series. And uh, it, it's released uh, in the United States on the Cartoon Network or whatever. Or uh, whatever. I can't remember what the Cartoon Network's called. Maybe it's just called the Cartoon Network. Whatever it is, uh, <laughs> they heavily edit the dialogue because in Canada you're allowed to say things like "sucks," <laughs> and the word "sucks" is not allowed to be said on children's television. 
So we would go through all these total drama episodes and I'd have three or four lines every single week where they would edit out the word boob or uh, edit out the word, but like sometimes things where you're like, okay, I can see where they cut that. And other times like, why can't you say, but, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the thing about this movie too, like um, all jokes aside about Dudley do right. You know, you said like, Oh, I never watched this. I found it offensive. This is, you know, blah, blah, blah. This is what I think of Canadians. <laughs> and I actually read that there was a little bit of backlash. I, I just wanted yeah. to correct you. It's not that I find it offensive. I just find it stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Mallory always brings it up randomly now where we talk about something and somehow Dudley Durant comes and she's like, oh, that movie was dumb, Ben. I'm like, shut up, Colin. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Canadians have the right idea. Um, but, like, it, I read there was a little bit of backlash apparently about this from some parts of Australia who were like, oh, you live up to Ocker stereotypes, which is like that real Australian. Watching this movie again, like, Honestly, there's nothing in this movie that's not right. Like, yeah, it, when you turn around and like look at this movie, and people get worried, like that's what Americans are going to think of Australia. Like Americans think about that anyway. Like you can't change. Americans are dumb. Okay, like mm-hmm. we know that. Um, I love Americans. Don't get me wrong, but you elected Donald Trump for four years. You're dumb. Okay. Um, <laughs> seriously, like you're stupid people. But with a nice, I'm saying that nicely. Um, so <laughs> Americans, Americans are going to believe whatever. Uh, Americans yeah. believe that about Canadians. Like. There are legitimately people who believe we ride kangaroos to school. And we do. It's mm-hmm. true. We really do ride kangaroos to school. But, like, watching this movie, like, I have genuinely met super Australian people who are like Mick Dundee, who are like, like, you go to a bar or a pub like this. I've never been to the Outback, so I've never witnessed it to this extent. But I have definitely been to small communities. I've been to pubs in small communities where you have your really over-the-top, stereotypical Australian people who are like this. And I'm I'm 100% certain you go to small Outback communities because you see them on TV in Australia, and they are like this. So I'm not watching this going, oh, that's not true, that's not true, that's mm. not true. Like, and... One thing I think it really captures well is like when you're in the the whole first half of the movie in Australia, legitimately when you're in the bush in Australia, you are always on alert. There are things that whether or not they're going to kill you or not, you will be freaked out by them. Like you will have a snake crawling near, but there will be a spider. Don't go near the water. There's either a shark or a crocodile. Like that is legitimately what we had grown up with. And like you kind of get that fear captured very well through Sue. So I think this movie almost captures Australia very, very well. And this is coming from a guy who grew up in suburban Hobart. I'm as far away from the outback of the Northern Territory as you can get in Australia. But even I can watch this as an Australian going, yeah, that's that's pretty accurate. I feel connected to this movie based on where I'm from. So I, I can maybe see why some people are like, oh, don't live up stereotypes. We're not like this. But... You know, it's it's no different to, like, people have that picture. Like, I, I have a picture of Americans. Like, oh, they've got guns. They're kind of crazy. They're arrogant. But, like, that's Americans. Like, they're not all like that. And we're not all carrying knives it's, and fucking killing crocodiles. But we're similar. You, you know, that that's why I, I was really wondering if um, we're, we're not going to get to the bottom of this. But if this character was considered so crazy and outrageous in 1986 because... As I was watching this, like this, this doesn't seem like anything out of the ordinary. Even in 1986, I mean, we saw crazier types of characters than this in the American or the James Bond movies that took place in America. Live and let mm. die, you know. Yeah. Uh, look at a movie like Deliverance. I mean, it's it's not like you know uh, even the American population hadn't been exposed to you know some really outrageous characters. To me, this is like Talladega Nights. You know, it's maybe a little bit exaggerated but it is taking a type of character, a type of, you know, off the radar, 
in the case of Talladega Nights, Southern stereotype uh, that is 80% true and it's just turning up the volume. But that's exactly what you're going to do no matter what comedy you're making. It's a comedy. So the stereotypes are going to be exaggerated a little bit. It's the same thing if we ever cover Scott Pilgrim versus the world, which, you know, I heavily debated throwing that in kind of like I said, it, you know, it's not a Canadian movie. It's a, it's a American slash British movie that's based on a very famous Canadian comic book. But like the comic book and the movie capture Canada so well, but with the volume turned up. So yeah. to me, watching Scott Pilgrim versus the world would be like, I think a lot of Australians watching Crocodile Dundee. Yes, Canadians are like that. Just it's a little bit extreme because it's a comedy. Well, it's Canadian bacon, seriously. Like when they go to Canada, like mm-hmm. the, the way they kind of make fun of it. And like, this is the trend with any of these Australian movies that we've covered, the four now, that as I constantly say, Australians poke fun at themselves. We're good at it. We, we like to satirize ourselves. Um, again, I always bring up Kath and Kim, but you watch Kath and Kim, like, okay, we're not all like that, but like everyone knows people like Kath and Kim in suburban Australia. This is just what we are. So, and actually one thing I'll say too about this film, I thought it was a lot more over the top with the Australian, but like, even when he, like, I always like these kind of fish out of water scenarios. I've talked about that before, but when he goes to New York, like everything kind of still feels realistic. If you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it, it's not super over the top. I actually watched this movie and this is George of the jungle. This is literally yeah. George. I mean, George of the jungle was crocodile Dundee. It came out later, <laughs> but it, it George of the jungle is a kid's movie. So it turns it up a little bit more, right? Goes a bit sillier. Um, like, you know, oh, nice butt flap and things like that. But, like, this is kind of like a grounded fish out of water. Like, everything that you see Mick do in New York is believable. Like, for somebody who has mm-hmm. lived in the outback for his entire life, raised by Aboriginals and comes to New York City, he would react exactly this way. Like, there's nothing he does that I feel isn't realistic. Uh, so, uh, two parts of that. One, um, we talked about in George of the Jungle. I'm a huge fan of Tarzan. Uh, I've read a lot of the Tarzan books. I've watched all the old, I mean, I, I watched like dozens of Tarzan movies, like every Tarzan movie that was ever made. And one of the early ones was Tarzan in New York. That is exactly the same as this. It's Tarzan gets taken to New York and it's kind of has a couple of funny scenarios about what would Tarzan do if he was in New York. And it was very realistic like this. Um, what you were saying about if you just took somebody out of the outback, uh, I know I've mentioned on here before, I, I, I grew up, I'd say until I was four or five, uh, we lived on like a very small, well, a very huge farm, but very remote part of Manitoba, uh, where I think the, the the town we lived in, Vita, has a post office and that's it. You know, it's it's all just people with farms. We weren't farmers. My dad just didn't like people. So he would commute two hours into the city and just bought a farm so he could have complete privacy <laughs> away from everybody. Uh, but when we moved into the the tiny community of LaSalle, Manitoba, which is about a 20-minute drive from Winnipeg here, at the time, LaSalle was so tiny that, like, the school had 40, 50 kids. But we moved into LaSalle, and my mom always told me that, like, the first day we were there, she was unpacking the kitchen, and she looked out the window and saw me peeing in our neighbor's yard. And she had to <laughs> run outside and be like, no, Colin, there's bathrooms in the house here, you know? So... I mean, this is normal, you know, no matter where you go, if you are not of the city, it's not even a thing about Outback or Australia or anything like that. If you're not of the city, you're going to have some of these weird experiences. And I think people who have moved, like, that's a great example. People have moved to different parts where you're not used to, like, I mean, I've now lived in three different countries and like New Zealand and Canada are very similar to Australia. Like they're basically the same, but there are still things that hit me sometimes where I, I like the other day I had to get ski pants, right? And yeah. <laughs> basically Mallory went into this thing about like, you wear pants under your ski pants. I'm like, what? And she's like, yeah, like yeah. You've, you've got to wear things to keep warm. I'm like, 
why do you have to wear pants? And we went into this massive debate. And I'm like, this is the stupidest idea I've ever heard. She's like, why is it stupid? She like thought I was stupid for thinking it was stupid. And I'm like, well, I didn't buy my snow boots to put over regular shoes. So why do I need to buy snow pants to put over regular pants? You don't understand. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, what is wrong with this country? Um, so, but like you, you legitimately have things like that. And like, we would Mallory when she was in Australia, she would do something. I'm like, no, you don't do that here. Why? Like, it's Australia. Like, what? Fuck, what are you weird? I'm like, you know. <laughs> so people can relate to that aspect. So I think it's it's very well I, done. I just want to know what Mallory was doing that was like that's that's totally inappropriate. Washing your hands after going to the bathroom, <laughs> Mallory. Come on, you're in you're Australia now. You, you just saw an Asian person and went racist. Be racist. <laughs> you're in Australia now. <laughs> <laughs> Mallory's gonna have to being racist. You gotta even be racist to yourself here, okay? <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it is interesting though, reading the story about also the uh, inspiration for this, the real life person, a guy by the name of Rod Ansell, who um, did have a similar uh, thing happen to him. Like they re- they mentioned about Mick being attacked by uh, a crocodile. Um, he had a uh, similar incident. Uh, in which he was, I'm reading here, um, was buffalo catching, as you do in Australia, uh, on a fishing trip, and basically his boat was capsized by something big. He apparently claimed it was a whale, so this could have been Whale Dundee, um, and basically was lost 200 kilometres from the nearest permanent settlement uh, with a dog, which had a broken leg. That's apparently a, a key point to this story. And eventually got rescued. And this made the news in the late 70s. And he was being interviewed. And Paul Hogan saw this, used it as an inspiration for Crocodile Dundee. And apparently the real-life Crocodile Dundee, Rod Ansell, tried to sue Paul Hogan after this, uh, for <laughs> doing this, because it became blockbuster success. Didn't get any money. And apparently according to Wikipedia, remained a source of bidness in the rest of his life. The funny thing... Did you go further than that? Well, I don't want to say the funny thing here, but, like, the sad thing here with this guy in real life is that he got killed by the cops in 1999 (laughs) in a shootout. (laughs) I I love the description here. Uh, Drug addiction became more destructive, culminating in a psychotic episode that ultimately claimed his life in a shootout with police. Yeah, so I'm saying uh, Paul Hogan killed Rod Ansell. Uh, (laughs) He became depressed (laughs) after this movie, um, went on psychosis and everything. But I I think I always knew that this was kind of based on, like it was always reported in Australia, like, oh, this was based on a real person. But they clearly avoid the rest of the details when it comes to just exactly why and how it was based on real life person so i don't know does that change anything for you watching this movie that uh it was sort of loosely based on a real person i mean the only thing it changes for me is that i really wish we had gotten you know maybe a fourth movie whale dundee <laughs> where they, they they finally tell the proper origin um also i will say too that like paul hogan as i said i think last week he was actually a really big star in australia he had the paul hogan show which is a big sketch comedy show um he had a couple of other shows i think he was in sort of like an anzac style movie in the uh, sort of just before Crocodile Dundee. So he was a, he was a very prominent, well-known Australian comedian. Um, his story's always been famous that he basically uh, was a worker on the Sydney Harbour Bridge 
and um, he sort of went from there. And he he was the Australian of the Year, Colin, in 1985. I don't know if you have Canadian of the Year, but it's a big thing every year. We have Australian of the Year. I, and this is a legitimate true story, I was a finalist in the Australian of the Year. I made my (laughs) state finals. I was one of four people uh, selected. I didn't win. But uh, I got to go to a big banquet gala dinner thing. And every year I got invited to the Premier's cocktail reception as a former finalist. And I was a finalist. I think I might have mentioned this on Off the Podium. Because I started an Olympic bid for Hobart. They made me a <laughs> finalist in the strain of this. So I am the same as Paul Hogan. Just saying. Yeah. People can go over to Off the Podium and look up the episode we did a couple months ago <laughs> on Ben's Hobart bid. And you realize that a joke that went too far made Ben a finalist for Australian of the Year. Yep. Uh, yep. What slim pickings that year, too. Yeah, it like, really who, was. Who, who won? <laughs> well, the, I can't even remember, but the thing is, like, I also got nominated for, like, some other Tasmanian award, like, Young Leader of the Year or something like that, right? And um, I, I actually don't think I went to the Australian... And now you're talking about Crocodile Dundee with me. <laughs> I know, right? Um, I don't think... Because I think the Australian of the Year, the proper thing, I was overseas at the time. So, like, my dad... Rep- anyway, but like, I remember going to one of these things and they sit there and they read out the nominees and it's like, you know, John Smith is working a cure for polio and Jennifer Jones is helping underprivileged children in Aboriginal communities and Colin Smith... Uh, is helping disabled children realise their dream of going to the movies. And Ben Waterworth has a radio show and <laughs> joked that Hobart should win the Olympics. Like, <laughs> I would legitimately be sitting there going, oh, great job, great job. And they come to me and I'm just like, hello. I, I could just see right now the, the awards ceremony, everybody getting like, yeah, yeah, and Ben Waterworth. <laughs> <laughs> was basically it. <laughs> Even Ben's dad looking at just shaking his head. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least we get a free feed. Uh, <laughs> get to meet the premier. Um, <laughs> get to hang out with other, you know. So, and actually, it was funny because I think one of these Tasmanian group things, like they, it was part of some national award thing. And so randomly on Facebook, maybe like a year ago, they obviously tracked down all the alumni and the nominees and they added to like, hey, Let's all talk about our past achievements. <laughs> so, like, again, you've got all these people going, like, yes, 10 years ago I was nominated for taking disabled kids to the movies and now I run an international organisation and we cured this and we've done that. And I've literally gone, hey, I was nominated because I made a joke about the Olympics. Lol. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I feel very uncomfortable being in this group. But thanks for adding me. <laughs> So oh, I love when the article comes out, where are they now? And it's like, last year I recapped Jiggly with Colin Hilden. <laughs> I also, every year, do an episode on The Room. Uh, <laughs> and I once had a listener listen to a Third Watch episode. Uh, <laughs> the end. Thank you for your time. Um, so, yeah, sadly, my uh, impact on Australia hasn't been quite the same as Paul Hogan, uh, because he went on to enjoy a semi-successful career with Crocodile Dundee 2 and Lightning <laughs> Jack and Flipper. Um, well, and like, the, that one that's out now. <laughs> really, it's so fun to look at his filmography. And after Crocodile Dundee became a big thing, you know, Crocodile Dundee 1 and 2, he was so selective with his roles. Um, but I remember as a kid, like I, I, I mentioned last week, I had, you know, familiarity that Crocodile Dundee existed mostly because the knives were sold in stores, you know, toy knives. Um, But 
I remember like when Lightning Jack came out, it was such a big deal because it'd be like, Paul Hogan is back. Like people in North America, you know, even though he was only making a movie every couple of years, would get super excited because Paul Hogan was doing something. Even if the movies made no money, it was always a big deal. Like Paul Hogan, Paul Hogan. I actually remember really liking Lightning Jack as a kid. Um, it was just one of those movies that, you, you, you're a kid, you're dumb, right? You like silly movies. I, I couldn't even remember now. Isn't like Cuba Gooding Jr. in it or something like that? Um, he is, yeah. Yeah, really, really random one. I th- I, but then I think Australian cinema got tainted because then Yahoo Serious became a thing. And um, oh. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, those... Yahoo Serious week coming soon. Oh, goodness. I, isn't that on the Simpsons episode where they have like Yahoo Serious like film festival or something when they're in Australia yeah. or something like that? <laughs> I, I, mean, I think Paul Hogan is best known now in modern times for dodging tax. And I think like he's every... <laughs> Every year he's on TV going, oh, I'm innocent, I paid tax. And the tax department is like, no, you didn't. And like, there's always a story about Paul Hogan not paying tax now on TV. That's all I ever see. Um, we should get into this movie. Um, you know, this will not take long. Famous last words. Should, I mean, we've taken half an hour to get into this, but legitimately I think we can pretty much cut this into two halves because that's the movie. Um, <laughs> maybe the second half there'll be a bit more to talk about, but legitimately like the first 45 minutes of this movie is basically we meet Sue... Uh, introducing to Linda Kozlowski, I can never say her name, who, uh, true story, married Paul Hogan. They were married for a very long time. I think they only got divorced in the last five or so years. So uh, they were together after this movie. Um, She works for the esteemed Newsweek, and apparently that makes her very rich. I was a journalist in the wrong decade uh, (laughs) because she's very rich. Um, And she can fly wherever she wants and stay wherever she wants and bring people back and put them up in the plaza. Um, admittedly, I think her dad owns a newspaper, right? Isn't that kind of what's implied? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we, she's on the phone. She's in Sydney. Uh, I mean, you know, she's rich when she's staying in that hotel room over like that hotel room would be something like $3,000 a night for that view. Like it's Sydney, right? You fart in that city and you get charged $200. It's expensive. (laughs) I think it's like literally in the top five most expensive cities in the world. Um, beautiful city though. It is, it's a very nice city. Um, but she's on the phone to her editor, who we loosely get implied here is also her romantic connection. Pointing it out right now, Colin, I'm sure you agree with me. I think he's meant to be the villain of this film. He does nothing wrong. <laughs> Not bad at all. <laughs> I feel sorry for this guy. He's clearly in love with Sue. She buggers off to Australia, hooks up with the guy and comes back and breaks off the divorce. He does That's- nothing wrong. That's the thing that had me feeling from the whole movie is that, okay, say whatever you want about, oh, he was being really obnoxious at dinner that one day. The first time you're introduced to him, his girlfriend has already cheated on him. Yeah, exactly. And And we're supposed to buy him as the villain? And I'm sorry, like, is he really being obnoxious? Like, I legitimately get shit like that said to me, like, oh, you're from Australia, hey, throw another shrimp on the barbie, ha, 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 ha. I don't turn around and punch him in the face because I'm slightly offended. Paul Hogan's a hipster. He's offended. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know what? Like, it's funny because uh, I was playing our best of episode. Um, Jamie oh, was listening to some of it. Yeah, that's right. It was me. There you <laughs> me go. and Jamie, apparently. But she was like, you guys are so mean to Noah. Does he listen to this? I'm like, Noah wouldn't care. <laughs> Does Noah know? This is the I way guys the, are. Because I feel the other day when I recorded with Noah, I mentioned something and he was like, what? What joke? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Uh, when we did, we when Noah and I did an episode, there was something he brought up. I'm like, "Oh, you heard that? I couldn't remember what it was." Oh, <laughs> uh, Noah's funny. Um, uh, yeah, coming soon. Noah's return because I may have recorded <laughs> with him uh, recently. Um, 
so yeah, she she basically is on the phone to not evil Richard, I think his name is. Oh, I read about this story of this guy who got his leg bitten off by a crocodile. I'm going to go do a story on him. Okay. Not how journalism works, people. Like, <laughs> I've tried that so many times. Like, oh, my friend in Winnipeg is like a Superman and can kill people with diseases. <laughs> well, kill the disease. It's killing the people. Can I go to Winnipeg? No. Go write a story on that dog down the street. We can't afford it. Um, that's journalism, at least in 2021. 20, so she goes on a helicopter well, um, she would have had to catch a plane to Darwin. She couldn't have ca- caught a helicopter from Sydney to Darwin if she did. Bloody good helicopters in Australia in 1986. Um, and she lands. We're going to Walkabout Creek. <laughs> uh, and what's this guy, Nev? No, that's the Aboriginal guy. Walter. John. We are uh, Wa- John Malin plays him. Uh, I, I don't know if this guy was a big deal in Australia. He voiced the Victoria Bitter commercials. Oh, he was the guy. <laughs> in all seriousness, those uh, there were very famous Victoria Bitter commercials. He died in 1989. That's sad. Um, oh well, he's dead. Oh wait, hold on, hold on. Tanya Roberts has guided him back to life. Oh, because she's also still alive, apparently. <laughs> oh wait, no, dead. Sorry, there ah. she is. Um, so she's in Walkabout Creek. She basically gets. Goaded into giving two and a half thousand dollars. Like I love this guy starts off with, oh, so about that two and a half thousand dollars, eh? You'll get the money. Okay. Um, <laughs> like any part of this film you think there's gonna be like conflict, it's just brushed aside. It's like, yeah. there it goes. Okay. Um, that should be the Canadian thing, not the Australian thing. <laughs> well, I mean, we're just so laid back that we don't care. We don't apologize. It's like, ah, get over it. Um, you just punch people in the face for no reason. <laughs> exactly. That's how that's how it works. I also love when we get to the Walkabout Creek Hotel, you've got a giant ad for Fosters on top of the thing. We don't drink Fosters in Australia, all right? Like, maybe you did in the 80s, but we don't now. So, very false advertising. Um we, we discover the true Australian pub life where you've got to try and make a man spill his beer. Um, people are playing darts and pool and all the fun stuff. Uh, and basically, uh, in comes Mick Dundee with a fake crocodile. Uh, basically, oh, yeah, get a beer for me, mate. Um, like, do you are you watching this, understanding anything that's being said in this movie right oh, now yeah. with all these Australians just being... Like that woman, <laughs> he's telling the story about, like, oh, he got his leg bitten off, and that woman comes up, oh, when he crawled past the hospital and went straight to the pub for a beer, you're having a laugh. <laughs> like, again, we talk like that. That is how we are. That is legitimately, you will go to Australia and you will meet people who are like that. My dad is like that. You experienced my dad on that Zoom call. Um. <laughs> yeah. That was great. Ben's wedding was great because it was a Zoom wedding, and uh, there was probably about a five minute block there where I, I could I, I would have loved to have seen Ben's dad's camera, but I assume he was talking and no volume was coming out. So I'm, I think it was Ben's sister started coaching him through. This is how you unmute your mic. No, look for the one that looks like a microphone. Click it. Click it, Dad. <laughs> Yep, that's my father. Um, <laughs> that was so good. I also loved Awkward Noah on his face for like three minutes without <laughs> saying a word. <laughs> Say bye, Casper. Bye, Casper. <laughs> it was funny. We oh, were we're going to do a we're going to do a recap on Ben's wedding ceremony. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> Live commentary of uh, Ben's wedding. Um, but I do love it when we have Mick and we have Sue here. I read a review where they reckon that these two don't have chemistry. And I like, 
uh, like they don't have the most outstanding chemistry, but there's definitely something there. But I also feel like it maybe is a bit forced because when they meet here, you've kind of got this one minute scene of them just literally giving each other the eyeball. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah, mm-hmm. oh yeah, oh yeah. It's like, okay, we get it. They're checking each other out. <laughs> like, Do you know what I compared it to? What did you compare um, it to, Colin? Attack of the Clones. We talked about it. People will say they're basing it just on the dialogue that like Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman didn't have chemistry. We said what they do have is that it looks like they genuinely want to bone each other. Mm-hmm. And aside from, I completely agree with you that that looking each other up and down was awkward. But there are other parts of the movie where they're just having regular conversations, and the way that they're looking at each other, they're like, "Oh yeah, they're getting it on." As soon as the the cameras yell cut. Yeah, no, I, I definitely see that. Um, but yeah, I, I just, this, this looking up and down thing goes on for a while. Um, did Jamie Still going find, on right now? Does Jamie find Paul Hogan attractive? I didn't get a chance to ask her. I watched this by myself at, I think, 5 o'clock in the morning. But um, I will say that uh, I found this on Amazon Prime, and I had only watched this one time before. But when I pulled it up, it said 64 minutes left in Crocodile Dundee, which means she had been watching this. And when I mentioned we are doing Crocodile Dundee, she goes, oh, that's a good movie. So I, I can't imagine if, if there's a guy who's shirtless, I can't imagine Jamie's watching it unless that's the reason. When you watched it and it says 64 minutes ago, that was the scene when he was shirtless, right? Like you stopped there and like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I should have checked, yeah. Relieve herself, uh, basically. <laughs> but um, Mick Dundee's, you know, very forceful here. Not really forceful, but just like gets gets straight up. Yeah, come on, love, we're going to have a dance. Um, and just like, as you got a random Australian guy in the background is just like, oh, yeah, Mick, I hear you kill crocodiles. And he's just like, what would you know? Shit for brains. <laughs> and just like, he has a thing for just punching. But like, this is the yeah, one thing I was... a lot of punching. The one thing I'll say for Australia, we don't just punch people. Like, <laughs> at least we don't where I'm from. And I'm from the northern suburbs of Hobart, which is closest to where you can go around punching people as you can get. Um... But, yeah, apparently this is how it works. He just punches people. We then have this guy who wants to have, like, a beer knocked off his head. And, come on, no one's ever done it before. Of course no one's done it before. You're holding the beer on your head. Like, if you weren't holding it on your head, I would think it's a magic trick. But you are holding it on your head. That defeats the purpose. But I do love the way that Mick does this. He kisses him. (laughs) To which he automatically goes, like, Australians hate gay people, clearly. Like, oh, don't punt, kicks me. Um... That's that headline. That it's a homophobic film because as soon as you kiss someone, like uh, automatically means you know you're gonna punch it. Um, and this is showing off the larrikin style of Mick Dundee, who again, like going into the story of this film, like are we we never get an answer to is he just somebody who shoots crocodiles because they're they're going like you're a poacher, and then yeah. we get the boat later with bullets in it. Like I feel there needed to be a slight little plot of yeah, I shoot them, but I secretly love them. Like. I don't know. Like, did, did that make sense? <laughs> I do to things to them afterwards. Yes, yeah. I love them too much. This is me. This is me, friend. <laughs> me, friend. Um, carry the crocodile. Um, you see, just a whole bunch of stuffed crocodiles in a cave with thongs on them. <laughs> thongs in Australia are different. You mean g-string? Uh, <laughs> ah, g-strings. Thongs are flip-flops in Australia. Um, <laughs> so anyway, the next day they're out and about, going in the outback. Uh, they get dropped off and uh, with this, I like kind of like some of the lines here it's get like so how old are you Mick I don't know how old am I like oh I was raised by Aboriginal people they said I asked when I was born they said in the summer sometime <laughs> it's kind of funny um, I also I like it when they're like oh I'll be back on Wednesday Mick oh sure thing Wednesday what day is it today <laughs> Monday alright 
Um, we have the famous uh, buffalo scene when he does the thing with his uh, fist. I do that all the time to my cat. Doesn't work. False advertising. Bullshit. Um, <laughs> but I like it. Like again. But can I just point out when he does that, right? And the buffalo falls asleep. Still in the road. Didn't really help him. Like they still are blocked <laughs> by that buffalo. So like, is this implying that they just drive over it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. All he's done, he's just given it a merciful death. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I also want to point out, Sue is the Rachel of this movie because she never wears a bra. Um, she's just always got nipply, nipply pointing out in those tight wow. tops. I don't know if you know. I, I noticed <laughs> I, it I clearly. Didn't, I didn't pick up on it, but <laughs> I'll trust your judgment. You're going to go back and rewatch this movie now? Um, <laughs> yeah, so can, I, can we stop on her for a second? Go. Yes. What's I, up? I'm not saying that, like, oh, man, she was so hot, but... I didn't get the same mom vibes off of her that we talk about with Linda Hamilton and other 80s actresses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I see that. I, I actually, the I remember seeing this movie and going like, oh, okay, I don't get the big deal with her. But watching this time around, I'm like, okay, I see it. Like, she's she's okay. And this is her first movie. She was, like, brought in, mm-hmm. like, um, Paul Hogan basically wanted to work with all the people he knew. So, like, I think the director is somebody he worked with on the Paul Hogan show. Like, basically all the actors, like, you know, kept it close to the family, basically. But he then wanted to get an American to come fill the role of Sue. And apparently, like, the Australian Film Commission objected to this. Like, no, we want to make this fully Australian. Like, get an Australian to play an American. Um, But, of course, it's very woke, this film. They're like, no, only Americans can play Americans. That's our rule. Um, so they got her out and yeah, I don't, this was her first movie, I think. And I, I don't really know the career of Linda Kozlowski after this film. Um, it, you look at her filmography, it basically matches Paul Hogan's for several years. <laughs> yep. Okay. I see that. She was in Pass the Ammo after this, followed by pretty much every other Paul Hogan movie. Um, <laughs> although she was an off-Broadway actress. Uh, before she's actually pretty good like she's actually decent um she was not she got nominated for a golden globe for this she didn't win paul hogan won it but um well they went in the same category they were in different categories (laughs) very inclusive the 80s it was just best actor male or female um but i think she's pretty good like i i think she's quite decent in this movie there's a there's a good quote here about why she left acting uh if you look on wikipedia Uh, It says that uh, these straight-to-video schlocky films I was getting were giving me an ulcer basically because I was the only one on set that cared about anything. Between that and my biological clock, I decided to give it all away. What straight-to-video movies was she making where she cared more than the people in the world? I I mean, I'm looking at Which straight-to-video movies did she care about? Village of the Damned straight to... I'm seeing here. I'm looking through her filmography. I don't see a single straight-to-video movie. So Village of the Damned here. This sounds interesting. Christopher Reeve, Kirstie Alley. Oh, um, yeah. Mark Hamill. That was a big movie. He's in it. I mean, why are we doing this movie? Directed by John Carpenter? this is not a straight-to-video movie, but if she cared more about a movie than Mark Hamill, then that's a problem. Well, there's the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, like Linda Kozlowski and Mark Hamill. There it is. (laughs) (laughs) The long-term question we've always been wanting to find out. Um, one thing I'll say too about this opening section of this movie, the I mean, really showcases the beauty, I think, of this part of Australia. And again, this is, I think, what made this movie popular, like showing this part off. And I remember when Australia came out, like this was like a big thing about the promotion of Australia was showcasing the beauty of Australia. And it does it well. It's obviously a more modern film. And whether you liked, I don't know, you don't like Australia, the movie and the country as well, you're racist. Um, but like, <laughs> you've got to admit, Australia is a beautiful looking film. Surely. Oh, there's some there's some good looking sequences in that. Exactly, featuring Hugh Jackman. Um, but 
they get dropped off here and, uh, you know, you see the land and, um, yeah, this is where the, the disgusting things that don't hold up are in place. Like, you're a Sheila. You won't last down here, love. Uh, <laughs> you know, things like that, which... Uh, Okay, putting a 2020 lens on these things or 2021 lens on these things, like, okay, I can see why the woke world are going to say this movie doesn't hold up. But again, it's if you look at something in 20 years' time and again, something today that we take for granted as being normal, like if podcasting is offensive, we've talked about this before, if podcasting is offensive in 2041, we don't know mm-hmm. now. We can't live off right now for the future. Exactly. I mean, this might be offensive one time. And I'm not saying it's right. Like, it's not right to be sexist. But at a time when it's accepted, they don't know any different. That's what education yeah, exactly. is and what we learn from our past mistakes. So it's like I, the the Greece debate came up recently because they aired Greece, I think, on Christmas Day. So all the British people are like, oh, boo, this is sexist. Ban Greece. Like, uh, it's, just, it's just you can't change something that was okay at the time yeah exactly and to give this even more defense this is a movie where the entire joke is the guy's a fish out of water yeah everything he does is out of the ordinary so for him to say that it plays also as just a joke like oh of course this guy would think that it's not true it's just this guy would think that so i i give this movie even more room than i would give any other movies and as you mentioned there's nothing that we'll cover from the 80s that doesn't have something that's considered offensive now. So what I hate is when you get the, these articles from um, um, uh, Mr. Virgin there, uh, 40-year-old oh, Virgin. Yeah. Buck knuckle, buck knuckle. <laughs> yeah, butt knuckle. Uh, <laughs> we're going to call butt knuckle from now on. <laughs> <laughs> buck master, uh, you get, that's it. He's so aggressive because I read that in just, you know, while I was watching the movie, I read that. And he's so aggressive and like, this movie is so wrong. And I'm just thinking, you know what? I can't wait for 20 years from now when everything you did is now wrong to the next generation. Like, that's the thing where you have to give a little bit of slack to people. I'm literally looking at this Luke Buckmaster. Like, he's, like, you talk about Australians punching people. This is a guy that I would punch. Like, he works for, <laughs> he works for The Guardian. I bet you he considers himself a journalist. Um, I mean, he's a film critic and writer for Guardian Australia. Put that on a resume, mate. You've lost all credibility <laughs> as a journalist. Um, he he legitimately just looks like an absolute twat face. Um, he really, <laughs> really, really does. Um, Let's tag him in our release of this episode. <laughs> oh my goodness! He just and like the, he's just one of these people who tweets stuff that just automatically like, "Who oh, I'm woke because I have glasses and I'm bald." Like just, just, just. Oh. He's the reason why Donald Trump got elected because people look at him and hate him and just want to do the opposite. They don't care for Trump. They're just like, oh, fuck that guy. I'm going to vote for Donald Trump. Like, that's basically what it borders down to. Um, but it's, yeah, like, it's just such, you like, that's a good point you make. Like, there's not an 80s film you can watch and not be like, mm-hmm. oh. And I mean, there, there's at least a couple of lines in this film where I'm like, okay, like, you know, like, you feel a bit awkward. Like, when he's with the, the chauffeur and he's like, you're a black fella, aren't you? Like, oh, okay. Like, that feels a bit uncomfortable hearing. But again, like, you, and looking at it from that character's point of view, a, a black fellow to him is a tribal person. Yeah. Like, he's never been out of the outback. And this is where it, like, it comes into this bit where he's like, you're a Sheila, you'd never like... Like, he has been raised by native people who, you know, have gender roles and that's mm-hmm. how they have lived for thousands of years. He comes into a very small community where, again, it's very gender role-based. 
like this is going to be his straight up opinion. And again, it doesn't hold up because we live in a more, you know, whatever. But like, I think kind of what this movie does in a way is like you see him get educated in a way, right? Like, and I think I was reading a review where they're like, you know, oh, this has a lot to say about roles of races in this movie. And like, this guy is assimilated with Aboriginal communities more so than any Australian I know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and like, it's even interesting when they kind of bring up the land debate and like kind of just how he says it. He's like, you know, okay, fair enough. That's, that's, um, you know, what he says and everything like that. So I don't know, like, yeah, it, fucking buck knuckle. Just, just stop <laughs> it. All right. Like go ahead and just get it's, every movie. Just stop it. I, I'm, I'm going to go even further and say that it's really no different now it's just we've lost the context of what this character would have meant in 1986. Nothing he's doing is different from what Thor does in the first Thor movie. Mm-hmm. It's just people get that Thor, it's a joke because, oh, he's just this barbaric man from another world. So is Crocodile Dundee. It's just because now in 2021, we see Australians all the time. We think, oh, this is just a regular Australian. You just you completely lose the context of this is not your regular Australian. Even this is Thor. <laughs> yeah. Well, even George of the Jungle has that line when he like meets Ursula, like, oh, interesting looking fella. Like, you know, kind of just yeah. in the way he kind of <laughs> discovers and things like that. No, George, that's a woman of your species. Like it's little things like that. And it's, uh, yeah, you know, just, just fuck you, Luke Buck, fuck knuckle. Just <laughs> stop being a, what a wanker. Um, stop <laughs> being a butt knuckle. <laughs> stop being a butthole. He looks like a butthole with his head and his bald and his glasses. Um, so, yes, the, the whole sequence now is just them going on the land. We we find the boat because uh, uh, Mick basically says, like, during the wet season, this is all underwater. This is what I was doing. I was fishing and, um, you know, oh, I wasn't poaching. Uh, but we see the bullets again. doesn't really make sense, but okay. Um, I actually like this little line that he has here when he talks about the death roll. Like, it's kind of freaky. Like, I kind of at this point want it to be like an actual, like, crocodile movie where, like, they're hunting people, right? Like, because he makes crocodiles scary and crocodiles are scary. Crocodiles kill more people than sharks do. I Like, I think there are, like, people have this image of Australia, like, everyone's dying because of animal attacks, right? Like, I think I mentioned this before. If there's an animal attack in Australia, it's still going to be, like, breaking news. It's not so common that it's like, all right, coming up, the weather, and in uh, just some brief news, 17 people died today from random animal attacks, but it's Australia, it's Monday, moving on. Like, legitimately, if someone dies from an animal attack, it's like the top story in the news. It doesn't happen that often. But I feel... That's why COVID's not a big deal over there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> More animal... Today, 18,000 people died from COVID, but that was less than the 87,000 who died from a spider bite. Um... But, like, I think I hear more often than not crocodile attacks on the news than I do any other animal attack when I was in Australia. So they are the animals that I think, and I could be wrong, kill the most in Australia. Um, They end up camping. I like Mick killing a snake just randomly. (laughs) Just, like, grabs it, snaps it in half. Uh, What does he say? Like, silly bugger. Um, (laughs) Very Australian. Um, they get woken up in the middle of the night because there's people driving around shooting ruse. One of the most, I think, again, I always tell the same stories on this show. I've got like two stories. I just repeat them over and over again. Um, I worked at a CD DVD store for a long time. And I remember one of the most Australian conversations I had was this guy came into the store literally in like the crocodile Dundee hat. He was definitely like a guy from the bush. Um, he was buying country music. So of course, (laughs) And I'm like, oh, so what are you up to on the weekend? He's like, I'm going roost shooting. Um, so, so legitimately a thing. People go kangaroo shooting. Um, I love how, like, 
Mick stops the kangaroo shooting by having a stuffed kangaroo with a gun. That's maybe the most Australian thing I've ever seen in a movie. Um, I forgot about that. Um, It's again, it's just, it's silly. Like these guys aren't doing anything wrong, but like, because Sue's upset about this, Mick's going to impress her. Um, They end up going swimming. He cooks a goanna. How do you like your goanna? Medium rare. Um, oh, she nearly gets attacked by a crocodile. She nearly dies. I should really mention that, shouldn't I? Um, he perps at her in the ugly 80s swimsuit. This is where she has the, like, stand-up woman moment, right? Like, yeah. I'm going by myself because I'm a woman. Ah, oh, you're a Sheila. You won't last two days. You don't even know what that gun is. That's the dangerous end. And, of course, the cliche thing of, like, click, 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 boom. Yeah, I'm sure. It, like, Mick, I'm sorry. She's American. Surely you know Americans have guns, Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, she knows more on guns than you do. <laughs> exactly. Um, they're bonding, they kiss, uh, and then she basically asks Oh, him to- stop there, stop there. Okay. They're bonding, she cheats on her boyfriend. True, she cheats. Like, again, I get it, this is kind of like the Titanic thing, like, we want to root for this couple because, you know, he's a strapping, good-looking guy, and she's the strapping, good-looking girl, and, oh, he's an asshole because he loves her and wants to marry her. It's Titanic! <laughs> it's The Notebook! Like, it's just, it's it's all of these movies which, mm-hmm. like, again, if Jamie right now is like, Colin, I'm going to Australia. Be safe. Don't hook up with Mick Dundee. Okay. And she comes back, Colin, I brought back Mick Dundee. Ah, shit. <laughs> yeah, I saw how this movie ends. <laughs> like, like, Richard has got some, like, like if Mallory right now said, I'm going back to Australia and came back, oh, I brought my friend Kevin. Noah. <laughs> Noah. <laughs> well, that's not true because Noah can't get a date. It, oh, uh, it's 2021. Maybe he can. Maybe he can. Like, I'm going to be a bit sus. Um, so, anyway. Oh, I should also mention that uh, we meet um, the, uh, what's his name? Uh, Nev, uh, played by David Gulpil. Gu- I can never say... Pilil, uh, he's actually Excuse a fairly, you. he's and I say fairly well-known actor. I can't even say his name, but he's like he's in Australia. Like he is kind of typecast as the Aboriginal guy who they're gonna get in a movie. Um, oh, in, that yeah, I love this guy. Yeah, like he's legitimately in a lot of things. Like he was in uh, Ten Canoes was a fairly big movie. He's in Rabbit Proof Fence, uh, and I still think he's with us. He'd have to he is uh, nineteen sixty-seven. Uh, he's sixty-seven years old now, um, but. Yeah, this guy is fairly prominent actor, but he's I, I, like it's kind of the standard. Um, what is it in George of the Jungle when they basically imply that like the the tour guides don't know anything about technology, right? Of course it is. And this is like that joke of oh, the uh, the native guy doesn't know anything about technology, but it's like when she goes to take his photo. Oh, you don't want me to take your photo because you think it will steal your soul. It's like no, miss. The lens cap's on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of funny. Um, so, and we see a little bit here of some Aboriginal dancing, Mick Dundee dancing with them, all that kind of stuff. Cool. Uh, and yeah, as I said, she wants him to come back to New York and he's like, okay. Um, and I love how they have to put in the line of, oh, we'll pay for it. Of course. Um, because what are they saying? That Australian people are poor. (laughs) They don't have any money. Um, one thing I'll say, I'll, I'll cap it just as they arrive in New York. Um, the bit where he's like on the plane and you see him and he's like slightly scared. Now, Darwin, you would not be able to catch a plane to the States from Darwin. At least I'm assuming you couldn't because generally you fly to close parts. So 
they would have had to go to like Sydney or Melbourne to get on that plane. So I don't know why he's scared this time on the plane. Like surely he'd be like, he's fine on the small one. He gets on the big plane. No, nah, I'm a wolf. So I don't know, little nitpick there, but uh, mm. welcome to Ben nitpicks geography of Australia. If you've listened to lost episodes, you'll understand. I do that a lot. Uh, I really have no, nothing to add. This first half of the movie, there's so little that happens. It's just, it's a tour through, you know, the Outback. Um, Paul Hogan, as I said, very charming. Uh, everything he does is entertaining. Nothing's laugh out loud funny in this movie too. Like I, I remember people talking about this movie, you know, growing up as if, oh, it's one of the funniest movies ever. And I'm like, well, I, I don't think I really laughed hard at anything in this movie. Maybe one part that's going to come up later on. Uh, which is probably considered offensive. I'm sorry, but uh, one part really makes me laugh later on. Uh, I'll just, I found a little bit of trivia here. This is my contribution here because otherwise I've got nothing else to add here. Um, So this guy, uh, the the, the tribesman here, I love this guy, the the lens cap dude. Uh, This actor, he's a piece of work in real life. Uh, I don't know if you read Uh this. He is kind of Crocodile Dundee. So two, two um, I guess, charges were laid against him uh, in later years, one of which he was at a home of a friend. And uh, I guess this guy has a lot of these incidents come back to his drinking. So he must have a real drinking problem, like violent drunk. Uh, so what's his name? Uh, Gupil, David Gupil. 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 There would be a pronunciation that, you know, butchering it big time. Sorry. Yeah, we can't. It, it's not in our dialect. But anyway, so. <laughs> it should be uh, mine. But uh, <laughs> as a white Australian, clearly I'm just racist. I just don't know how yeah. to pronounce an Aboriginal name. I'm sorry. So as he was at his friend's house, the friends were, I guess, um, giving him a hard time because his drinking was getting out of control and they had a no drinking policy. So as he started getting more aggressive, uh, David here, um, as he started getting more aggressive, they had to pick up a totem pole and a garden hoe to try to remove him from the premises. He pulled out a machete on them. This literally is a, that's not a knife. This is a knife. I just want to back up to the totem pole thing. Like, is this a thing that I'm missing out on? Like, Australians just have a totem pole. Like, I, I'm in BC. I see totem poles. I love them. I, I, I'm fascinated by totem poles. Apparently, I missed out in Australia. We just have them laying around our house. Yeah. Yeah. This is, And it's a weapon. It's not a totem pole. It's a weapon. Yep. But, uh, yeah, he carries a machete on him, apparently, and, and duplicated. This is my thing. Uh, sadder story about a year later, obviously his uh, alcoholism alcoholism had gotten a little bit out of, out of control. Uh, so his girl, I don't know if this is his girlfriend or his wife at the time, had to get a restraining order against him because um, he he was maybe a violent drunk. The wording of the restraining order is kind of amusing, though. He's ordered not to, this is in quotes, assault or threaten to assault Miriam Ashley directly or indirectly and to stay away from her while drinking. Why does that have to be, like, does it have to be an illegal document? Like, does somebody have to legally be told, don't assault someone? Like, Colin, I've never assaulted you, but, like, I've not legally been told. So right now, can I actually assault you because I've not (laughs) legally been told I can't? Is that what this is saying? uh, he apparently didn't listen to this because three years later, he was charged with aggravated assault for throwing a broom at her and fracturing her arm. Oh, she went to jail laugh. for a year. 
like if, if you're going to abuse someone, throw a broom at them. Like that's yeah. thinking outside and the box. Or a totem pole, right? Totem pole. Like, <laughs> girl, I'm angry. I could punch you, but that's wrong. Fuck it. There's a broom. She Maybe. she just picked up a knife to defend herself. That's not a knife. This is a knife. That's a broom. Oh, I see you've played knifey broomy before. <laughs> He clearly just loved being in Crocodile Dundee because how many things get thrown in this movie? I'm going to throw a can of baked beans at your head. I'm going to throw <laughs> yeah. a boomerang. Um, we shouldn't laugh. That's terrible. Um, sorry to <laughs> Ashley or whatever her name Miriam is. Miriam Ashley. Like, like, what does she do? Does she call up the police? Hi, I've, I've been assaulted by my husband. Oh, we're sorry, miss. How did it happen? He threw a broom at me. <gasps> 12 months in jail. Okay, okay, is he still in the house? All right, are there any garden hose or totem poles nearby to defend yourself with? And in all seriousness, yes, assault, assault. Like, you can assault anyone with that, but, like, you know, it's a broom. Um, I, 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 fact, there's aside a town from in this Australia guy's... called Broom. Sorry. There's a what? There's a town or a city in Australia called Broom. Bro- what is it? I thought the Canadian city names were weird, like Flinflon and Kamloops. You got Broom and Snug. <laughs> Well, we like to be comfortable and sweep things. <laughs> I'm sorry if that offends you, Canadians. <laughs> well, that's the, the topic of the week, just being offensive. <laughs> sure, Mark Fucknuckle, Luke Fucknuckle will write an article. <laughs> the Oz Network, racist, homophobic, we shouldn't make it a thing. Like, do you think he legitimately is, like, sitting around? He's Like, it's not like this is a new movie either. Like, do you think he's just sitting around and he's like, oh, fuck, slow news day, all right? Um... Shit, what's offensive today? Uh, oh, I remember. I watched Crocodile Dun recently. Offensive. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Like, Jesus, mate. The Guardian. <laughs> That's like BuzzFeed. <laughs> recently <Yep>. in Australia, <laughs> there was a story. They were like, sad news today. BuzzFeed are cutting 50 of their journalists. I'm like, first of all, not journalists. They work for BuzzFeed. <laughs> Secondly, on Twitter, like I'm like following and friends with a lot of journalists. Everyone's like, oh, sad day. Many of our colleagues have lost their jobs, you know. And I'm like, fuck these people. They work for BuzzFeed. They're not real journalists. That's like saying that, like, if you're an NHL player, right? Like, I'm a, I've made it. I've made the NHL. If you sign for, like, the Arizona Coyotes, you're no longer an NHL player. You've just given up, right? You've just oh, fuck yeah. it. I'm not going to win a Stanley Cup. I'm going to go to the Arizona Coyotes. You're not really a hockey player anymore, okay? Or... The Chicago Blackhawks. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? It's like if, if you're an actor and you sign up to be in, like, Manifest. Like, oh, well, my, my acting career has gone down the toilet. Once upon a time. <laughs> I'm going to join the cast of Once Upon a Time. Like, like you've given up on ever being a successful part of your field. It's like me. I joined the Oz Network. I'm yeah. not going to be a podcast radio host. I've joined the Oz Network. Like, like BuzzFeed just... just they're going to write a top 10 ways to meet your fiancé on the Oz Network. But, lol, let's do it with green shoes. Like, legitimately a headline I'm sure exists <laughs> in the world of BuzzFeed. Like, I could be a wealthy journalist by working for that site because you don't have to do anything. You just sit around. You- and I'm looking at my wall. Top 10 types of wall. That's a BuzzFeed article. <laughs> Can you try to shop around an article wherever, you know, uh, <laughs> articles are bought these days <laughs> on top 10 weapons to defend yourself with against a knife. Sure. And we can, <laughs> what do we have? In, hold on. What do we have in the room right now? You can defend yourself with, um, we got a picture frame. Yep. That's one. Uh, the speaker. A, yep. <laughs> an, Austra- an Australian button. Crikey. Yep. Uh- <laughs> oh, this one's really good. A roll of scotch tape. 
This yeah, is pretty oh, sharp on the end. Very, very true. Uh, a coffee mug. Um, uh, uh, Daniel Craig. Uh, <laughs> Judy Dench. Slaps people. <laughs> Judy Dench. Yeah. Coming soon to BuzzFeed.com. Don't go to BuzzFeed.com. Like if, you go, if, you've, if you've been to BuzzFeed.com in your life, stop listening. I don't want you to listen to our show. Just go away. <laughs> Just leave. Just leave. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Just bugger off. Um, are you done? Anything else to add here? Or? <laughs> Uh, just briefly comment on the the Aboriginal comment. I, mean, I can see again through a certain lens how that might be offensive, but the point he's bringing up is still pretty valid. Like he's not he's not taking away Aboriginals' rights for lands. He's just simply saying, you know what, something existed before even them. Uh, he, he's talking about nature and everything. So uh, it, it's kind of like this weird comparison. But a lot of people got quite upset with one of my heroes, Liam Neeson, uh, about a year ago when he said something that was phrased poorly, but the intention of what he was saying was still 100% right. You know, he was yeah. talking about um, a, a point where he had very violent thoughts based on somebody's race. He had a valid reason to be angry. He had a valid reason, but he w- based it on the race. And he said, this woke me up and helped me to realize how wrong I was. Now he phrased it in a way where people took it the wrong way, but the intention of what he was saying was right. So I don't see even what he's saying there to be offensive. I can see how people might view it that way as insensitive, maybe. It, very sim- We've talked about very similar conversations here in Canada with Aboriginals, same as Australia. But he's making a point that something here existed even before them. Yeah, and it's it's a woman in the castle. Like that whole movie is just basically a comment about the land rights issues that were a big deal mm. at that point in Australia. And I mean, it does it in a way where I think it's, it's subtle enough that it's not really shoved down your throat. If we do tomorrow when the war began, there's like one moment in that where they kind of shove it down your throat. Like this is kind of like the white people invading, you know, the Aboriginals in Australia. Um, but like, I think he, he does it a, a very interesting point. And I also like this section where he basically, you know, uh, Sue's like, Oh, what's your opinion on the, the nuclear arms race and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, I, you know, what do I need an opinion for? No one's going to hear it. Like <laughs> there, I mean, there are people like that and like legitimately Australians who are like that. Like, it's just, at the end of the day, it's like, sure, I've got an opinion, but who cares? Like, who's going to hear it? I'm yeah. kind of like that. Like, I have opinions on everything. But, like, you know, at the end of the day, my opinion's not going to change anything. Like, well, I don't, I'm not you, one of those get, people like, save the world. I'm not Greta Thunberg. Yeah, like, you get Thank the you. argument when it comes to elections. People say, if you don't vote, you don't have a right to complain. And you have other people saying, well, my vote doesn't matter. Both sides can be viewed as right. Like, I don't yeah. blame anybody. If somebody chooses not to vote because it doesn't matter, I'm like, one vote probably doesn't matter. You know, if somebody says, well, if you don't vote, you can't complain. I'm like, I kind of see it that way, too. You know, it, 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 there, there's right and wrong on both sides. I, but I think that watching this movie, because um, if we ever do Australia, I mean, that, that whole thing is a massive comment. on. Oh, sort stop of the- saying that. I, I want to cancel <laughs> our month just to prevent it. <laughs> uh, there's that, a massive comment on sort of, you know, abri- the history, you know, stolen generation and things like that. And like that always that was a i mean still is a big trend in australian cinema that they kind of have to do this it's sort of like let's comment on this or let's comment on that like it's very rare for australia to just do a movie that's like swinging safari that it's just kind of silly it's just dumb i mean even that in a way is commenting on the 70s and how dumb we were as parents right boy town it's fucking <laughs> old guys in a boy boy band that's not commenting on anything but like i think this this movie in a weird way handles it very well uh, for an eighties movie. Like we talk about things being offensive now in this movie, but like kind of just that little speech that he has, it's, it's not, you know, he's not just straight away going like bugger them. They don't own anything. We own the land. Like he kind of phrases it in a way, which is very neutral, 
you know, like, mm-hmm. as you're saying, like, well, you know, there were people like the way he kind of says like, well, you know, they, I don't think they own the land, but they belong to the land. The land is part of them. This land will be here but when you and I are gone. So, you know, I think he kind of does it in a very neutral way. And then kind of just the way he sort of like, you know, um, he talks about being raised by Aboriginals and then kind of he goes and joins them for a dance and has like a traditional dance sort of thing there. Like, you know, I, I think maybe some people might find the idea of, oh, the age old joke of native person with modern technology, that's offensive. Like, I'm sure people are probably going to bring that up. But like, I think kind of the stuff with it, everything else around it, I think is fine. Like it, it's, it's for an 80s movie in Australia, it's kind of handled okay for that part mm. of the racism. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> everything else, racist. Um, this part, good. <laughs> it's like the man from Hong Kong, right? Like this movie yeah. is kind of the man from Hong Kong again. Can we just put It's very out? similar, yeah. <laughs> that's all how Australian movies are. Foreigner goes somewhere. <laughs> well, the, the, the fish out of water thing, like quickly talking about that, the fact that this appealed so much outside of Australia, it, it got me thinking a lot while I was watching. It's going to be it sound like a really weird comparison, but bear with me. It got me thinking a lot about my big fat Greek wedding um, because especially, you know, not just being Canadian, but being from Winnipeg. I mean, Nia Vardalis, who wrote that movie, this was her story and it was written about her family. And, you know, her her family are like quasi-celebrities here in Winnipeg. They have a very popular restaurant. Everybody knows them. They see them all over the news. And uh, it was a big deal when her dad died this past year. So Nia Vardalis has come back to Winnipeg. And now all of a sudden, my big fat Greek wedding seems to be everywhere in the city. Uh, but there's a lot of similarities to, you know, writing a fish-out-of-water story that can appeal to the masses. Now the difference is they took what she wrote as being about a family from Winnipeg and said, Oh, people aren't going to want to see this if it's about a family from Winnipeg. So let's make it a family from Chicago, but it doesn't really lose anything. Mm. And with this movie, I think one of the reasons it was a hit, it's not so much this crazy Australian, this, this sort of starts to make sense to me now. Why, you know, is this so crazy when there's so many other things? No, it was just, it's the fact that everybody can relate to, Somebody they know, you know, I always mention uh, on here, Napoleon Dynamite and even Corner Gas, we've talked about before. It's funnier if you've lived in a small town. And I think even if you haven't lived in a small town, I mean, you probably know somebody who's just a little bit out there, you know, a little bit off the radar. And you can relate to that. It doesn't matter if they're Australian, if they're Greek, whatever. It just, it has a universal appeal. Yeah. It's actually funny watching this movie with um, the character of Mick. So there was a few things that he would say in this movie, like a really good friend of mine, Sam, who sort of is my Formula One friend and uh, just just a good friend. He, he was on the wedding. I don't think he left a message, but he was there. Um, and he is like, you meet him, he's kind of just like a laid-back Australian guy and, like, he will just drop some, like, one-liners. Like, at one point in this movie, I think they say, like, get on the wrong side of the road, you pelican or something like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. Sam legitimately calls people pelicans. Like, it's just it's legitimately <laughs> something he does. And there were so many times in this movie I'm going, oh, my God, he's Sam. Like, he's, like, just the way he talks and his mannerisms. And, like, Sam is a guy from suburban Hobart. Like, he is just – he's nowhere near the outback. Um, but, like, Sam is also very set in his ways. Sam is the type of guy who – you know, goes to work every day, comes home to the wife and kids, dinner on the table, meat and potatoes. Like just, he just lives his regular life, travels every now and then, but he would never leave his comfort zone, right? That's what he does. And that to me is like, kind of like Mick. And that just, and again, you talk about that with Canadians. Funny story, I actually watched an episode of Corner Gas again the other day. It was on TV in our hotel. Um, so uh, is, is it growing on you? 
Hey, it was it was funny. This this one was like somebody was playing table hockey and they were really good. So then they play the other guy at table hockey and they were like broadcasting it on like a black and white TV. Yeah. And then there was another character who joined like the some I think it was maybe like the local community group and wanted to nominate somebody and couldn't nominate herself, so she nominated the older woman. Basically, was trying to find good things about her. Yeah, I oh yeah, I know, I know which one you're talking about now. Yeah. Yeah. No. It, Great it was, show. We got to cover. Well, I the movie like will be up there. I, I, I didn't like it, it was it makes me want to watch more of it but like apparently the one that Mallory really wants me to watch is Shit's Creek because she kind of watched a few episodes and like Shit's Creek is really funny so it is yeah I mean personal preference the first three seasons of that are unbeatable the next three seasons like uh, I kind of lost interest another good one like that uh, which is on right now still is called Kim's Convenience mm-hmm. uh, about a Korean family that operates a grocery store. It's it's become a bit of a bigger deal now outside of Canada because uh, the guy who plays the son on it is starring in the Marvel movie Shang-Chi, which explains why right now in the most recent season, he's appearing on Skype instead of uh, <laughs> actually being with a family. But uh, yeah, th- th- those things are huge here in Canada. Like you, you have all these, whether it be just a different ethnic group or, you know, small town, I'd say probably from my big fat Greek wedding on, that's been like the Canadian genre is fish out of water or fish in water, but out of water for the audience. I don't really like fish. I'm not a seafood fan. Just They're coarse I... and they're rough and they're irritating and they get everywhere. Get everywhere. Can't get a date. A racist. Oh, they're dead. Oh, wait. No, they're still alive. No, they're dead. All right. Covered all the jokes. Good. Um, now, okay. We want to talk about offensive, right? We're in New York. What's the first shot of New York we see? The trade centers. Now, honestly... Oh. You want to talk about getting uncomfortable. Every time I see the trade centers in something, I automatically get a little bit like, ooh. Like, I don't, like, okay, it's different because the trade centers aren't racist. Um, But, like, <laughs> you automatically see the trade centers and you automatically think of 9-11, right? Oh, sorry, it it takes on a different context now. Just quickly. Oh, yeah, there we go. Reference. I was going to say you missed 9-11 reference. There it is. Um, Hitler Check. reference still to come. Um <laughs> <laughs> but like it is one of these things like because there's definitely been um i know not long after 9-11 like there were movies and tv shows that would edit the trade centers out of like their opening credits or they wouldn't show them in movies like i think like home alone 2 did they not just completely edit out everything with him climbing them uh obviously spider-man famously edited out that sequence uh with the you remember the simpsons yeah, the the, they Coastal wouldn't show that episode, center? would they? Or well, well, they showed it, but they put a massive disclaimer on the front saying this episode contains footage of the World Trade Center that may be considered upsetting for people. I'm like, it's The Simpsons, and they're worried that it's upsetting for people. And again, different context because it's different things. But like at the same time, like legitimately, I always see the trade centers. I always get a little bit like a ooh, like it's 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 gone in like two seconds. But like at the same time, it's you just automatically go oh. 9-11, that's sad. What do you want to bet that Butt Knuckle goes back <laughs> and says that uh, he, he's a, that uh, Paul Hogan's a 9-11 denier or something yeah. because he put that in there? <laughs> Anti-masker. He wasn't wearing a yeah. mask in this movie. It's offensive. Yes. Come on. He didn't get a vaccination in this movie. Anti-vaxxer. Uh, at no point <laughs> I bet you also movie, voted for Trump. At no point in this movie did he say that the world wasn't flat. Just, no, there you go. And, and neither did he defend global warming. Just Just <laughs> terrible. Like, every, like, that's where the woke movement's getting, isn't it? Like, come on. Anyway. Uh, and so he's friends with New- Harvey Weinstein. It was just a deleted scene. Um, rise in New York. I swear, like, I swear this Richard guy looks different in every single scene he's in. Like, I, I just... <laughs> There was at least once where I'm like, who is this guy? Yeah, like, because when he's got his glasses off, he looks like a completely different person. Um mm-hmm. But he sh- and one thing as well, going back to the point about like, is he a poacher? Is he not? Doesn't explain. One thing that I don't get is that like 
he kisses, they kiss, she cheats on him in Australia. Then they arrive. At no point does she say like, I have a boyfriend, let's keep this under the rug, right? I feel like that needs to be said because he kind of shows up and sees her with him. But like, mm-hmm. I feel like he's the type of guy who's going to be like, hey, you kiss me in Australia. Who's this fu- Who's this fella? Like, he kind of just goes along with it. Like, I feel there yeah. needs to be some. Maybe there was a deleted scene. I don't know. But he only has experience with one woman, too. We learned that earlier on. One yeah. woman, he basically left her for 18 months. Yeah. And th- there's definitely something in this movie that doesn't make... Like, when he goes to the bar and he's basically about to go home with the, the woman that's not a woman, like, he's basically mm-hmm. like, you want to go back to your place? I'll keep you company. And then five seconds later, he's, like, being nice to the, the sex worker. He's like, oh, I've got to buy you a drink first. Like, which is it? Yeah. You want to fuck him or take him <laughs> for a drink? <laughs> that's how Australians work. It's like, it's Tuesday... Um, drink uh, Wednesday, fuck them. Uh, that's how it works. It's like Monday they carry knives, Tuesday they carry garden hose, Wednesday totem poles, Thursday they throw brooms at people. Yeah. Um, so we get a lot of the fish out of water stuff here. He doesn't know how to use an escalator, which again, like in all fairness, like if you've never seen one before, this is probably how you're gonna act. Yeah. Um, it's it's elf. Yeah, exactly. Um, I love. The, I love it when he's like in the car and he's like, welcome Mick. Like this is, you know, New York, 8 million people live here. Ah, you must all get along pretty well. If you all live together, you must be the friendliest city in the world. Like, ha ha, New York's not nice. (laughs) I love it when he pulls up to the light and he's like, g'day, Mick from Australia. How you doing? Good, thanks. That guy is great. Yeah, he's like, "Uh, yeah, thanks. (laughs) Yeah. I'll probably see you around. Like for some reason, I had a memory that that was a joke that we did see this guy again. I like, I clearly just didn't get it. But um, that guy's in things. That guy who he's like, you know, hello, who is that guy? Mm-hmm. He's definitely familiar. Or I recognize him. Yeah. Like I feel like you know what I think he looks like. He could be the guy. Okay, this is a weird one, but I could be wrong. You know, in Dumb and Dumber, when. The guy's on the phone in the phone box, and you got that guy knocking on the window. Get off the phone! And then the guy punches oh, into yeah. the glass. Like he looks like that guy. I don't know if it is, but I don't know what this character is called because you've got Wino, New Yorker. Actually, probably New Yorker. Paul Greco. That looks like him. It is him. Okay. All right. <laughs> Good call. Wow. I know. Is he in Dumb and Dumber? Is he in Dumb and Dumber? No, he's not. He's in the Cable Guy though. Maybe it's the Cable Guy. Different Jim Carrey movie. Huh. He plays <laughs> well, Ray he's somebody. He's somebody. He hasn't been in anything since 2003. So, oh, that's because he's dead, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 wait, 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 wait. Oh, oh no, Ted Roberts. <laughs> he died in 2008. Where was the National Day of Mourning for Paul Greco's death? <laughs> Poor Paul Greco. Anyway, all right. Um, so, going through the streets... And he just happens to be staying at the Plaza Hotel, like <laughs> arguably the most prestigious, expensive hotel in all of New York. <laughs> Here he is. Um, Credit card, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> Were you also expecting to see Donald Trump walk through the lobby? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that movie. Um, also, why is there a Norwegian flag outside the Plaza? Was it owned by Nor- Like, Did Donald Trump not own it in 1986? <laughs> I don't know. Um, this is where we get that awkward moment, which is all maybe offensive when he gets out of the um, thing and he's like, hey, what tribe are you from? You're a black fella, aren't you? I love how that guy reacts. Last time I looked or like, oh, I most certainly am. And you know um, that guy, right? Yeah. Uh, he Is he not the um, guy from um, uh, uh, Steve Urkel show? No? 
Yeah, but also he was uh, Al and uh, the cop in Die Hard. I was gonna like I thought he was like I thought they were mm-hmm. the same guy. Like I was thinking like you know, I didn't want to say it because they didn't want people to think I was racist. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly because they all look alike <laughs> apparently. No, like I um yeah I I thought it was, but I didn't actually. Reginald V Johnson. Vel Johnson. Vel yeah. Johnson. Sorry. Um, who doesn't he just play the same character in everything? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, he's, he has to be wearing a uniform. That's all. Ghostbusters. He was in Ghostbusters apparently. Was he in Ghostbusters? Um, Who was he in Ghostbusters? He was the New Yorker <laughs> character of Jail Guard. <laughs> oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the one who tells him, like, oh, the mayor wants to see you. Yeah, sure. It's been a long time since I've seen Ghostbusters. <laughs> um, so we're in the hotel room and lol, bidet, ha, ha, ha. Um, the 80s when you go, like, where's the offense about him smoking in an elevator? That's offensive. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> Cancerist giving everyone <laughs> cancer. Um, this hotel room's got to be something like five to ten grand a night. Like, like, is this just Linda Kozlowski's way of like, I'm rich, I'm going to spend all my money? And why isn't the boyfriend? I would be annoyed. Like, mm-hmm. even if I am rich and Mallory comes back with Kevin from Australia, we're going to put Kevin up in the most expensive hotel. No, we're not. <laughs> we're going to put him up in a Holiday Inn. Like, yeah. <laughs> And he better be from an Pasadena. Airbnb. <laughs> <laughs> camping. He's going to be camping out the back of our house. Um, but uh, we've got the old, lol, he wants to be tipped and shakes his hand. Um, that's like the Mr. Bean coughing thing when he gives him the lozenges or things like yeah. that. Um, yeah, he goes exploring through New York. I like it when he, like, climbs the sign and basically you think a cop's going to arrest him, but luckily he's white. Otherwise he would have been arrested. Um, gets, <laughs> yeah. gets taken back to his hotel. Um, they go out for dinner and this is the jerk Richard scene. Oh no. He's making references about kangaroos and possums. What a jerk. He deserves <laughs> to get punched in the face. <laughs> like why? He doesn't do anything wrong. Like Mick assaults someone. This is America. Mm-hmm. He should be sued. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. And a rich um, American. Yeah, exactly. And for some reason, Richard just takes this. Like, oh, I must be drunk, but I think he punched him. And Sue's <laughs> just like, oh, you Australians. <laughs> just <laughs> randomly assaulting rich guys. Um, I, mean, I, I do like this bit where, like, basically he goes gets back in his cab and he says to the taxi driver, you want to go have a drink with me? That That's Australian. <laughs> like, oh, come on. It's only 10.30. Fuck it. Let's kick it on. <laughs> Goes to this bar and we have moments of cultural, like, understanding. Like, he meets a, another guy and gets to do the sh- handshake and, oh, we don't understand the things that we're saying. What does he say? Like, what's up down there or something like that? Oh, my beer or something. Like yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, he meets a couple of, uh, what's a politically correct term, Colin? Sex workers. Um, you wouldn't know. Uh, ask Jamie. Hookers. Um, <laughs> prostitutes. <laughs> I love that we have to be politically correct about prostitution now. <laughs> I, I, I legitimately, like, when I, I did host an adult radio show at one point in my life and we did interview a sex worker and I was told to call them a sex worker, not a prostitute. So that's why I'm treading on a fine line. Um, that's why you were a finalist for Australian Year. <laughs> you were that progressive male who called a <laughs> prostitute a sex worker and didn't pay for it afterwards. Um, 
didn't, didn't wait that can be taken two different ways but <laughs> didn't pay for it afterwards make your own mind up colin hilding um because you were so polite he's like you know what this one's on the house band <laughs> well these two are basically like oh you're that one i've been reading in the paper again i do love a movie like this where the prostitutes read the newspaper um like and even then are they really reading the what do they work for newsweek like newsweek i think it's a bit up market they'd be reading like the new the new york post that's what they'd be reading. It's a week. Well, it's also a weekly magazine or whatever. Yeah. And she's been back for 24 hours and there's already been a series of articles published on them. Well, and I mean, this is like, spoiler alert, 24, coming soon to the Oz Network. But this is like, what's up, dog? This guy's running for president. Like, it's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like, I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm sure there are educated prostitutes who read the newspaper. But like, sex workers, sex, sex workers. workers. But I, I'm sorry. Like, the way they, like, you've got to judge this character on the stereotypes they're giving it. And I'm not believing that this woman reads the bloody <laughs> Newsweek. <magazine> Newsweek. <laughs> like, okay. Um, Mick punches another guy. Is this where he's like, don't swear in front of the ladies or something like that? Yeah, and, no, I love this scene. This this yeah. this scene is maybe one of my favorite in the movie. It's, I do I do like it though. Then like I like this Italian cab driver, like stereotypical <laughs> Italian, just drunk. Although I think they could play this scene a bit differently when he says like, I'm Italian, I can drink you under the table. Like you need to have a scene showing that fuck you, I'm Australian, I will drink you under yeah. five tables. It's, um, it's all implied. Like I was I was expecting that, and it's not there. They just show them, and the cab driver looks a little bit out of it. And Dundee's at this point, you know, hitting on the, um, uh, well, there's no politically correct term. Uh, <laughs> the woman who's the actually woman. a man. Yes. That's right. Uh, hitting on the dong. <laughs> that there's They skip over the joke there. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. Like, what are Australians best known for? Deadly animals and being drunk racists. Like, that's us. Well, you're going right? to say having like, sex with transvestites. And and that too. But, but like, I mean, this is one of those scenes where it's like, oh, this is offensive because, oh, you know, he's making... And, like, again, it, like, it feels a little bit... Un- like, you're not, you know... But again... Where is, would he have encountered this before? He lives in the bush. <laughs> it's, it's, it's blast from the past. Like, yeah. the, there are women. They can choose what gender they want to be. Like, are, they, are people retconning blast from the past because Christopher Walken was transphobic like mm-hmm. i mean okay you don't grab someone by the genitals like <laughs> donald trump got elected president for doing it so i mean you sure. also don't punch people in the face for no reason and there, there's no complaints about that like this is a guy out of his element this is the character it all fits him it's not offensive it's the character and again it's it's the time like the, the joke's funny later on when he grabs the other person and that's like it's okay he's from australia like yeah, the joke. <laughs> okay, in 2021, you are not going to have a blatant sexual assault joke in a movie because, no, we can't have that. But, like, again, you can't retcon everything that was is now offensive okay. and wasn't offensive at the time. Let's let's also back this up. Is it more offensive what he does to the, the dong? Or <laughs> is it more offensive that this dong was going to persuade him to get into bed under false pretenses? Now, to yeah. me, that's sexual assault too, isn't it? Well, it's, I mean, if right now you discovered Jamie had a dong, um, I mean, you... <laughs> I'd be wondering where the kids came from, but yeah. Well, prove once and for all that they're not yours. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> Finally, it's the truth has come out, but yeah, uh, whatever. It's 1986, all right? Sexually assaulting transvestites was allowed. Um, as was smoking in elevators and the World Trade Center. <laughs> 
<laughs> so um, uh, we've got some other things going on here. We've got um, Paul Hogan in the bath and... Again, Sue is terrible here. Like, she comes in and implies, and it's all like, oh, Mr. Dundee. And it's like, you have a boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> like, You're now half naked from the waist down just to play a joke on the guy. You, like, I mean, again, if Mallory's doing this, I'm a bit shitty. If Jamie's doing that. <laughs> exactly. Well, she is doing that. You don't know about it. Um, <laughs> We don't have a resolution for her relationship with her fiance either. There's not even a moment in this movie where she says, you know what? It's just not going to work between us. We literally get the line of, I'm not going to marry Richard. Okay. There's your closure. Um, Are you going to tell him? I want Crocodile Dundee too. Richard to show up and say, hey, listen, uh, the wedding date's quickly approaching here. Is there anything you want to tell me? Well, I mean, I I don't think I've actually seen Crocodile Dundee too, so maybe that is a plot. I don't know. Um, But it's like in (laughs) George of the Jungle with, what's his face? Lyle, right? I think the second one is about Lyle coming back after Ursula. I didn't get past the five-minute mark of George of the Jungle 2. I don't know. Um, But, like, again, like, this movie, again, entertaining, it's fun, but, like, there's no story and all the little bits that they tease at, nothing happens with. Like, again, yeah, Richard yeah. just disappears. Um, Australia's drinking under the table, implied, but move on. Um, is he really a hunter? Don't know. Move on. Um, but again, there weren't podcasts in 1986. We couldn't nitpick these back in the day, right? Um, again, let's go back to the times. All people in the 80s cared about is just a popcorn flick and have fun. Oh, there's an Australian in New York. That's good enough for me. There wasn't this, oh, yeah. the analytical analysis of Crocodile Dundee makes no sense. Like, you know, um, he goes to a building. I think this is uh, Rockefeller Plaza because, like, you see the trade centers in um, the Empire State Building. So he's clearly not at the top of either of them. Um, he goes to a hairdresser and watches somebody getting, like, a sideburn buzz cut. Oh, look at that. Ha, ha, ha. Then he throws a can and stops a, a bag snatcher does this not just remind you of mrs doubtfire oh i yeah. saw it it was a rogue fruiting or whatever it was like, yeah. that's what that reminds you ah oh, pierce brosnan should have been in crocodile dundee um and so cool he's learning all the culture uh we then go to a party and a couple of good australian songs being played here colin i'm sure you heard in excess uh mm-hmm. being played there uh, the song different world but do you know the other song that they were playing uh, remind me. Uh, it was called Sing Live it. it Up. Uh, hey, now you in the sad place and in the mild place and live it up. Oh, you nope. want It's really big song in Australia. Mental as anything. Very Australian band. Uh, so this I, New York party is just specializing in Australian music. Apparently. Like, I, I legitimately don't know if mental as anything went out. Because like, it's kind of like I didn't realize that Midnight Oil were a thing outside of Australia until only recently. Mm. Um, whereas mental as anything are like a very Australian band. Um, and I had no idea if they had any success. I'm about to find out. This is kind of like that John Farnham thing we talked about recently. Um, it says here they had international success. Uh, Live It Up went to number three in the UK because of Crocodile Dundee. So <laughs> there you go. So this song did make it quite big because of this movie. It's a good song. I don't mind mental as anything. Good band. Uh, but anyway, we're at this party and... Okay, this is where I'm going to be slightly offensive. The other person he grabs by the crotch, is that a man or a woman? <laughs> this was the part that actually made me laugh out loud. Uh, so apologies for being so so out of touch and inconsiderate that I find this funny. Yeah, I like, but I mean, because I, even when he kind of grabs it and then he walks away, like, is this meant to be like a fully transitioned man? Or is this like, I still I think don't it's get just it. supposed to be an old lady who's kind of mannish. 
Kind of. Oh, that's an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I but don't it's know. funny. It's especially you want to know what's funny about this? The fact that she's into it. Yeah, <laughs> I need to go there. Then <laughs> that's all right. He's from Australia. Um, yeah, and then later on, later on, when she sees him across the room and kind of gives him that you wave, and he's like, uh, "Hello." <laughs> and and is this then like the joke? Which again, maybe I don't get this whole sequence. Like, I get the cocaine bit. I'll get to that in a sec. But like, he he rolls a cigarette. <laughs> I know you would get the cocaine bit. <laughs> he rolls a cigarette, and then a woman takes it. And does she imply that she thinks it's a joint? And then he's like, huh, "I huh, think huh. so, yeah." Because like. Do you do you not have rolled cigarettes in this part of the world? Is this a thing you don't have, or is that the joke? I I think the joke. I thought the joke was simply that maybe she's already so out of it that she thinks she's getting high. Well, but do you when you saw him pick pick out the thing and roll a cigarette, did you understand what he was doing? Oh yeah, yeah. Because because that's that's a big thing. Like I, I a majority of smokers I know will buy the rolled ones instead. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know if maybe that was just an Australian thing or not. Um. But yeah, we get the cocaine scene where he's basically like, oh, no, mate, this is how we do it in Australia. You put some hot water in, you put your tea towel over your head. Do you do that here? I feel that's not just an Australian thing. Yeah, no, I'm, my mom, not with cocaine, but <laughs> my mom does this when we were kids. <laughs> oh, we do it with cocaine all the time. Um, no, we had like that. Put the dollar we, bills down, guys. I'll show you a trick with the towel. <laughs> we call it like Vicks Vapor Rub, right? The stuff you rub on yeah. your chest. If you put that in boiling yeah. water and, you know, you yeah. So anyway, yeah, steam. But like we would do it, you'd fill, you'd fill like the bathroom sink with it, you know. Yeah, and like yeah, yeah throw a towel over your head. But this is another thing where I feel like they were going for something that doesn't happen. Like because when the way she's like, oh, that's a couple hundred dollars worth of cocaine. There, like all of a sudden, I thought this guy's gonna be like chasing after him because he's wasted cocaine. Mm-hmm. But it's that's it. Bye bye. Um, I, I mean, like maybe we he- can talk to maybe we can talk to our resident coke coke addict and find out maybe this really worked this guy would be like wow that was the best cocaine i've ever had well you've got me on the line and i'm telling you now um <laughs> i do like like this scene when they he calls back up like the pub and it's kind of like oh how's it going there yeah good yeah i'm gonna stick around for a while okay but like such an australian thing when he puts him on the phone to the guy he kissed and it's like oh what's his face wants to talk to you hey mick get stuffed and then like <laughs> that we do that that is a thing uh, <laughs> <laughs> Your brother wants to talk to you. Hey, get fucked. All right. Um, hang up on him. Um, you did it to Noah right before we recorded. Yep, yep. Uh, we get the very, the, the most famous scene from this movie, the knife moment now where they're walking through the streets. Basically, they're w- walking at night. This guy's, hey, guy, you got a light? It's like, sure do. And give me your wallet. And it's like, why would I want to do that? Mick, he's got a knife. <laughs> That's not a knife. That's a knife. And then he chops up his thriller jacket and runs. So he basically assaults this guy. Uh, he runs away. Oh, how could he do that? It is. Now, we talked a lot about this in Dirty Dancing. Sorry to bring up that we did that movie. Like, there are iconic movie lines, right? Like, there, there are tons of movies right now I could think of where I've never seen the movie, but you know the line, right? Like, it, it's just, it broadens fame because of that line. Mm-hmm. We rip shit into nobody puts baby in a corner because she's not in a corner. It makes no sense. This is one where, okay, we get it. That's not a knife. That's a knife. But, like, sometimes I do wonder, like, how does a line become a line? Like, this yeah. be- has become an iconic movie line. Why? Like, <laughs> I, I, Because this was on Amazon Prime, I watched the trailer before I watched the movie. And they end the trailer on that moment. And they actually go into slow motion when he pulls the knife. That's a knife. They go into slow motion. It's like, crocodile, Dundee. It could just be a thing that it was all over. Like even people who didn't see the movie, they knew that moment before they saw the movie. It's yeah. It's it. 
possibly. It's, it's just strange how you think about some movies becoming like so. Like Jerry Maguire, why is Show Me the Money scene like such a like a like? Mm-hmm. It's kind of you know you can understand like you know no, I am your father and like lines like life that, is like, like a box of chocolates. You know, yeah, like you can understand kind of like super famous. You know, I'm going to make him an offer. I can't refuse. Like things like that. Like it's just. You can understand. Why did you say that name? (laughs) (laughs) I should have used that in my wedding. Yes. Damn it. Next (laughs) wedding. Stupid course. Right. I'm texting Mallory. We need to get remarried. Um, (laughs) Mallory, why did you say that name? Why did you say that name? Uh, (laughs) Martha. Let's just stop for a second. Did people who were at the wedding get the fact that the majority of your wedding vows were inside jokes between me and you? <laughs> well, I think Mallory said something to me on the lines of, I'm glad that you could please your friend more than me in your wedding <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, you know my true love is Colin. <laughs> It wasn't just like one reference in your vows. I would say 50% of your vows were dedicated to inside jokes we have on the show. <laughs> the opening paragraph and the last paragraph all was it. And like, cause this is the thing I wrote mine. And then Mallory's like, how many words was yours? And I'm like, I don't know, like 300. And she's like, 300. <laughs> like, and she wrote, it's like, I only wrote like 150. So like, that was the thing, right? Like everyone, you know, were jokingly there. I don't know if it got picked up in the camera. I was like, all right, guys, take a seat. Like, this is going to be long. <laughs> and then, so like, I'm, cause the celebrant printed them. And then put them like on a piece of paper so we could read them. And he was like, oh, don't worry. I'll adjust the font, do all this sort of stuff. So when I, I hadn't seen what he had printed until he literally held it. So I'm reading, I'm getting to the bottom and I'm like, has this bastard edited me? Like I'm thinking like, (laughs) where are my other lines? So I'm getting to the end. And then all of a sudden he like, I stop. And then he goes, oh, sorry. And I'm like, oh, lol, got to turn the page. And everyone's like, oh, like, come on. So I'm like, oh, great. Make me look even longer by having two pages worth of shit. Um, But they were romantic. Shut up. It just kind of reminds me, um, uh, when my brother got married, I was his best man. And, you know, uh, I had been to, I think, one wedding prior to that uh, and saw the, okay, the best man speech is supposed to be the best man making fun of the groom, right? And making him uncomfortable. Uh, so I wrote what, you know, I thought was a decent amount. Uh, and I probably went for about 20 minutes, <laughs> but I was killing like the room. So many people afterwards are like, wow, that was like the best, best man speech I've ever heard. Like it was a stand up comedy act. So my brother made it a challenge when he was the best man at my wedding. Uh, and I remember he even said at one point, um, for my bachelor party, uh, the first thing we went to this place called Mongols, which is like a Mongolian grill and typical thing you, you try to embarrass the groom so i was supposed to wear a superman onesie there uh and he basically i'm like i don't know if i can wear this i'm at this place all the time <laughs> and he's like if you wear this i will take two paragraphs out of my best man speech i'm like done <laughs> so now i'm disappointed that you couldn't come and be my best man because i want to know what you would read about ben is a racist pedophile everyone <laughs> you know it never occurred to me i, I like because yeah originally i was one of the groomsmen and then i got upgraded to best man because i'd be the only one in the country <laughs> And it's funny, it never occurred to me that I could have made a speech. I, I, I would have been so much more disappointed that you guys ended up eloping if I had, if I had thought about that. Well, we are planning on having like a, a big get together when things go down, you know, kind of like a, a makeshift reception with maybe less of the formalities, but we still hope to like have speeches. And 
you know, I don't know at that point if my best man and that will be able to come. So you might be up again, Cole. But I mean, you'll still All be right. in the wedding party section of the thing. So, and <laughs> I, I want to have a proper bachelor party too. My bachelor party consisted of going. I mean, okay. In all fairness, it was an enjoyable night, Pete. My one Canadian representative, my my Canadian dad, took me out to a very fancy restaurant. It was basically like, whatever you want, you can get. I was off keto, so I made the most of it. Um, <laughs> and then I came home and I had a, a Zoom sort of uh, three-way call with who would have been my best man, uh, Kelly, and Anthony, who you met in Minneapolis. So we kind of had a catch-up. That was nice. But like, I want to prop my original plan for a bachelor <laughs> party was I was going to go to Vancouver. We were going to go see the Canucks lose. And then we're going to go to a strip club. <laughs> That's a that's a bachelor party, right? That's no, I think that's that's what people's idea of a bachelor party is. Maybe it's just a Canadian thing, but like all Canadian bachelor parties are so tame. Colin, Colin, stop. I mean, mine. We went to stop. Mongols Yours and went tame because to- you're Colin. <laughs> Well, not even just me. I know other people. It's like, oh, that was a tame bachelor party. A lot of people, they know one one bachelor party, they went to do laser tag. Uh, <laughs> my, my brother's was uh, uh, Nintendo Wii boxing. Uh which, you know, can get a bit rowdy because when you can, you know, make fun of and taunt the other people and challenge them to fights, that can be fun. Uh, Did you not go to a strip club? No. Have you ever been to a strip club? No, I mean, I would be so, you know me, I would be so uncomfortable in a strip club. Right, when you come here and we have our makeshift, I'm taking, I'm going just for you. All right? And if like, no one's it's with time us, to make you a man, Colin. <laughs> okay. I just want to point out who my, my, my wedding party would have consisted of you, right? The most uncomfortable man ever. <laughs> Kelly, a lesbian. Anthony, gay. Noah, can't get a date. Josh, a Mormon. So can Wait, you so imagine? I have the, you're telling me that I get the most action out of anybody at your wedding party? <laughs> like, I'm the, like, you're meant to be embarrassing me. I'm going to be the one going like, all right, everyone, let's go lap dance for Colin. <laughs> Kelly's a lesbian. She's okay with it. Lap dance for Anthony. He's gay. He's never had it before. A Mormon, uh, probably. And Noah. He doesn't even know what a woman is. All right. Uh, <laughs> Noah's walking in going, what are those things on her chest? Has she got cancer? <laughs> 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 they let black people out of the house after dark. Um, <laughs> would have been the best Take- bachelor party ever. <laughs> I can't wait for Butt Knuckle to uh, cover our recap of Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> I just I can't wait for somebody to discover our podcast and take everything ever said out of context because they literally just get that quote and go, "Oh, Ben's a racist." Um, your your uh, alumni status in the Australian of the Year has been revoked. Damn it! Damn it! Um, we actually I saw an article the other day because um, at the time actually. Funny fact, the day of recording this uh, is two days before Australia Day and I'm planning on releasing this tomorrow, the time of recording this. So this is going to be... We're actually releasing Crocodile Dundee basically on Australia Day. So that kind of worked out okay. Perfect. Fuck it, I'll hold it till Australia Day. Well, in Australia, it'll be on Australia Day. But anyway, um, at Australia Day, we have Australia Day honours. So they kind of every year, it's like, hey, like Ben Waterworth for services to podcasting, (laughs) UNL, Ben Waterworth OA, right? (laughs) Never going to happen. But um, they're giving an honour to Margaret Court, who's a great Australian tennis player. One of the arenas that uh, where the Australian Open is named after her. Um, but everyone hates her now because she's basically a big outspoken uh, person against gay marriage. Like she's very anti-gay marriage. But so 
everyone's all like, oh, boo, Margaret Court. Like, you know, we hate her now. Let's forget that she was like one of our greatest athletes ever. It's just because she hates gay marriage. So she must be a horrible person. So she's getting an Australian like an honor this year. So some doctor who got the same award like last year is like making headlines because like, girl, I'm handing this back now because you're giving this award to her. And it's like, you do realize her award is for services to tennis and sport, not for being a bigot. Like, like there's a difference well, of what, you know. Man, we, we're, we're so much on like the, the PC bandwagon this we week. Are. But uh, I, I don't know if network. you followed, I don't know if you followed a lot of the, it, it, it's died down a lot. I, I'm glad about that. But there were so many people who were asking for Gina Carano to be replaced in uh, the Mandalorian TV show. First, first, you know, a couple times she appeared, people were like, "This, she's the greatest thing on The Mandalorian. Then all of a sudden they discovered that she had a lot of, not even pro-Trump tweets, but just tweets that leaned more Republican in their thinking. So like, it must mean that she's a supporter and voter of Trump. Remove her from The Mandalorian. Yeah, uh, I read a very good, um, like, reply article basically saying, like, you know, why do you cancel someone because of an opinion? Like, it doesn't, you yeah. know, it's... Uh, We'll do it. We're just going to do the woke episode one day and just get Paul Fuckknuckle, <laughs> Luke Fucknuckle to write a... I don't even know his name, Luke or Paul. Like, let's be honest. Every Luke and Paul we know are the same person. Luke and Paul's the same name. Like, you know, Luke Skywalker, Paul Paul Walker. Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> same person, right? Um, uh, where are we? I, I, that's not a knife. That's a knife. They kiss again. She cheats on him again. Um... <laughs> He implies, uh, Richard implies that he's going to propose. We meet the dad, who's obviously the owner of the paper. There's going to be a big benefit party thing because rich people throw welcome home dinners, snooty-like, because why not? We get this dog scene. What, what sort of property? where like They get out of the car and it's like, oh, the dogs are loose again. Like, I mean, is this guy Mr. Burns? Like, release the hounds. <laughs> release the hounds. There's an Australian on the property. Release the hounds. Like... I don't understand. Like, oh, the dogs are... These are killer Rottweilers. Like, I mean, are they just on the loose? Are all these rich people just getting mauled on the way? Oh, Jenny didn't make it tonight. Why? Oh, she's dead. There she is. Mauled on the lawns. <laughs> oh, another one. Oh, well, put her in the pile. Um, they go to this dinner. Um, I, I do like Mick giving the like the that handshake to the butler guy. That's kind of funny. Um meets people and like again like i feel they could turn this up a notch with the stereotypes and kind of the fish out of water but like these are genuine conversations i feel that i've had as an australian in a different country when you meet people at a party yeah. like oh you're from australia are you yeah, sure am oh so blah, blah blah like this is what happens if you come to australia one day you're gonna go somewhere and people are gonna be like oh you're from canada right eh? oh must be cold uh, you know like yeah you're gonna get it that's what happens um richard proposes uh <laughs> Mick just accepts it and like, but again, even this whole angle of this is where it's now the big love story. They're running to the, you know, plane like, I love you. Um, Mick, it's just, just sort of goes, all right, fair enough. I'm going to go walk about like, you know, it's kind of, this is where I will say the ending always irked me the way it kind of just like pauses on them in the, tra- it's funny, but like we kind of get, and maybe this is where the reviewer was saying there's no chemistry because they've kissed twice. There's a bit of boning chemistry but from this point on, you kind of like, I'm meant to feel bad for Mick. And I, I just don't feel it because he, he doesn't just, feel bad for himself. Yeah. He takes it on the chin. He literally is like, just like a guy. It's like, all right, missed my point. I'm just going to go and travel America. Like that's, that's mm-hmm. it. Like there needs to be a scene here of like her running after him and like him saying, you know, no, you had your chance and things like that. Like it's, um, 
oh, I hate the movies. Cast Away, right? Like, at mm-hmm. the end, uh, that may be a bad example. I'm trying to think of... Perfect example. <laughs> but there's, there's a movie I'm thinking of where they're in the rain and they're all like, I was here the for notebook. you. The Notebook. Maybe. Oh, God, why am I remembering that? Possibly The Notebook. Um, poor James Marsden. Um, didn't even get with Sonic. Um yeah, I don't know. Like, I just feel there needs to be an extra scene here. It's kind of weird. Um, they imply now that um, Mr. Die Hard is an alcoholic because she's got a bottle of <laughs> scotch in the limo for medicinal purpose. What? Um, <laughs> he's been driving drunk this whole time. <laughs> um, I'm going to have one nitpick here for my New York geography knowledge. Um, Mick gets dropped off in Times Square. That is nowhere near the Plaza Hotel, right? I have been to Times Square and I've been outside the Plaza Hotel. That's a long way away, right? That's Fifth Avenue. You've got to walk a fair distance. So he kind of deserves to get nearly mugged in New York. Um, this is the 80s. New York was dangerous. Um, People but, smoked in elevators. Exactly. <laughs> God, the trade centers were around, you know? Um <laughs> <laughs> I thought of something really inappropriate to say. I'm not going to say it. Um, so, fuck it, I've said worse. <laughs> Don't <Basically>, stop now. <laughs> basically, the terrorists were doing New York a favour. All the, the criminals lived in the trade centre, so they were like, no, New York's dangerous. We're going to destroy those criminals in the building. Why do people think we're wrong for destroying the... Tra-? Okay, right. You just got cancelled, Ben. Um, <laughs> You're just feeding into butt knuckles ammunition now. <laughs> 2021, the year Ben finally gets cancelled. Um, <laughs> he gets, I mean, again, New York is such a small place that he keeps bumping into the same people because he's the pimp guy that he punched before. Um, gets basically gang bashed before uh, the chauffeur throws a boomerang at him. Haha, <laughs> Australian humour. Can I say, I've thrown a boomerang once. I'm terrible at it. I really am. I let my country down. It's <laughs> like me as a Canadian who can't ski. Yeah, well, exactly. Or don't, talk to, don't talk to me about not skiing, Colin. I'm sure you've made yeah. it further than like five millimeters. <laughs> um, to answer your question, yes, if California Girls was playing, I would have done better. Um, so anyway, uh, he decides to go on a walkabout through America. She calls up the hotel, she being Sue. Oh, no, where's Mick? And then basically this whole scene is the running cliche, no, don't leave which again kind of just comes out of nowhere. But I will say I do I do like this bit in the subway. It's like it's like what do you want, lady? I want to talk to that guy in the hat. Okay. Tell him this. It's like don't leave. Don't leave. Don't leave. I love you. He loves you. I love you. I do kind of think it's funny. Um he then runs over everyone's head, they kiss and it freezes on a still image which this is the one part I do remember not liking. I remember when I saw this for the first time, I'm like, huh? This, this must be an Australian movie thing because I remember not liking Gallipoli and Gallipoli ends on like a freeze frame of a guy running, doesn't it? Um, well, so- no, Gallipoli, it ends on a freeze frame of a guy screaming, I think, sure. which is a little more appropriate than this. I think this is just an 80s thing. Yeah, maybe. But like, okay, I do laugh at this scene, but I don't like the ending. Um, so basically she says... I'm not going to marry Richard. I love you. And again, they've spent like three days together, five days together. This is Casino Royale over all, all over again. <laughs> um, apparently, you can fall in love that quickly. Um, the end, Crocodile Dundee. Uh, yeah, so I got a little bit more notes on the second half of this. Um, the majority of my notes are on the second half. Uh, so 
first of all, okay, what is this line about three Filipino fishermen still in their boat? Oh, he's what talking about when he's in the bar and he's like talking about the funnel and he talks about the shark. He's like, sharks, okay, I once caught a shark the other day and had three Filipino fishermen in his stomach. Oh, that's right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that was one of the lines. I'm like, oh, that's actually a really good joke. Like, a, a lot of this movie is funny, but not ha-ha funny. That was one of the ha-ha funny lines. Just not ha-ha funny enough for me to remember what came from. Um, the, the line Ashila is something that I think I've definitely heard it before, but I definitely understand it a lot more after watching this movie because they use it a lot in this movie. Yeah, that Sheila's guy just, is dressed as Sheila. Yeah. Well, Sheila is just a, a colloquial term for a woman. I think, I don't know if it's Australian or British cause I feel British people say it too, but, um, I would say I feel it's bad more for Sheila's. It's kind of like if somebody's named Karen in 2021, you know, <laughs> it's not a name you want to have. Well, it's like. It's it's now women who are called gay. Like as soon as you hear the word gay, it's like oh, huh. like not that gays are funny, but like as in like it's it's a different context <laughs> now. It's like we talk about blast from the past. I, Mallory and I legitimately watched blast from the past the other day. We watched Pleasantville and blast from the past, and just the line I keep quoting back to Mallory. It's like he's gay, by the way. Well, good for you. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for always being happy. <laughs> I, I was talking about Bowfinger. I was quoting Bowfinger lines last night. Or I think Jamie had asked me, what's the funniest movie you've ever seen? I said, Bowfinger. And she says, oh, you don't have that movie, do you? I was like, yeah, I have it. You bought it for me. You bought it for me for my birthday with Blast from the Past. Two greatest gifts I've ever had. <laughs> so now she's in the mood to watch Blast from the Past and Bowfinger, which is, Mallory which is great it. as far as Mallory liked Pleasantville, which, again, I hadn't seen Pleasantville in a long time. It's a pleasant movie. I like Pleasantville. But then when she watched Blast from the Past and she, like, put off watch. She's like, oh, I don't want to watch this movie. I don't watch this movie. Finally watched it. I love this movie. Oh, I'm so glad uh, that movie. It's amazing. It it, it it might be my favorite Brendan Fraser, even over Encino Man. Uh, not over the Mummy, oh, but uh, boy, as far as comedies go. Jacket. <laughs> <laughs> wow, a jacket. <laughs> so many. I thought only lines. hookers drank those. Well, I know Mom sure likes them. <laughs> I'm so glad. What is that? Why Alicia Silverstone? Like, oh, l- luckily I fell in love with this one before I knew he was rich or something like that. <laughs> Poison gas, don't go to the adult bookstore. <laughs> Leave my elevator alone. <laughs> oh, my lucky oh, star, inter- the Negro. <laughs> we interviewed Joey Slotnick. Like, that's still amazing. <laughs> he didn't even remember it. That was the disappointing thing about Joey Slotnick. Half the stuff we talked about, I don't remember that. I don't remember that. Yeah, he remembered He remembered how long it took him to put the tattoos on his face. <laughs> Nothing else for the movie. <laughs> <laughs> what was the what was the bit like when they're in the shelter before and it's like how horrible is it up there and Joe's like you have no idea horrible we could like that's that's one of those movies like the room we could just do an annual episode on blast from the past oh so um, good yeah uh, okay so yeah the cab driver driving drunk i i missed it the first time uh after he you know cups the dong or whatever and they get out of there uh the first time when he's with the pimp uh and everything picking the fight and punching him i mean such a great scene uh i, I love those two um sex workers let's call them <laughs> they're really Women funny who too. enjoy intercourse for money yeah, well, and again, this just shows that the movie is supposed to be he doesn't understand the culture. They don't understand his culture because they're basically hitting him up here and he doesn't get it. Like, oh, you know, we'll show you a good time. He goes, oh, you want to go out to a movie or something? <laughs> He's Brandon Frazier and Blast from the Past in this. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah. yeah very similar. We got another one. Another movie I thought about, uh, kind of as if you were covering this, because I thought this sort of started that genre. But really, this might have been a response to Beverly Hills Cop, which is about two years prior to this. 
I think Beverly Hills Cop might have been the movie that started this whole trend. Because I, I, especially since I thought that in my head, I'm looking back. I'm like, this is just Beverly Hills Cop with an Australian who's not a cop. <laughs> and did not, you ever see Beverly Hills Cop? Yeah, I've seen the first one. I, I really do. I. It's one of those movies where. It's similar to Crocodile Dundee. You heard a lot about it. I was like, okay, I'm going to finally yeah. watch this. And I remember watching it. Oh, actually, that's a really good movie. Um, yeah. There's another 80... Like Trading Places is another one which I heard a lot about. And I'm like, mm, oh, I really Never seen it. that. Ghostbusters was one of those that I watched. And I remember just going, okay, sure. And I Oh, think, shut up. And I think I enjoyed the second one more. Then you can really shut up. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen the I, I like. I like both of them, but... The third one, no, that's not. It's not the third one. It doesn't exist. <laughs> okay, right. The the invisible one. Uh, yeah, doing his laundry in the bathtub is fantastic too. <laughs> and doesn't he like smell his sock or something like that? Well, how long? Where is he going to dry it? And how long is he going to wander around naked? Does he have two sets of clothes? Like I don't. But that's understand. how Australia. We don't have washing machines in Australia, but they haven't come yet. So that's how we wash our clothes. I'm not going to lie. I have on occasion washed something in the shower. You know, <laughs> when you're on holiday in a like, hotel room, you kind of do it. Well, well, I, for me, it's usually if I go running, right? Um, my clothes are really sweaty afterwards. You don't want to just wait until you have to do laundry. If you don't have enough to do a load of laundry, you don't just want to have to wait. So when you're in the shower, you kind of just rinse it out, you know, wring it out, toss it off to dry, and then it's partially washed for later on. So I it's, it's not a bad practice. When, when, um, so generally, wherever I've lived, I've had a washing machine, right? Here in an apartment building, we don't. We have to use the laundry. Shared. It costs money, right? Um, so here, it's a lot more of a, like, today's laundry day, right? Uh, but back when I had a my own washing machine, I would just, ah, fuck, this is dirty. I'd, I'd wash one thing at a time. I don't care about water, <laughs> environment. Who cares? Were you paying for water there? Uh, no, no. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> Tas- Tasmania, we didn't start paying for water until like the last 10 years. And then when I moved out. Oh, really? The, the one time I lived, you know, outside of my parents' house in Tasmania, um, our water was included in our rent. So it was just in our, yeah, we never had to pay for it. And New Zealand too, we didn't, uh, it was included in our rent, was it? Uh, and water here, actually, in our apartment here, water's included. So I've never had to pay water separately for water. So there you go. It's it's typical in Canada that apartments, water's included. Uh, I, th- I don't think I ever lived in an apartment where I had to pay for water. Hydro, you might have to pay for, like your electricity, you might have to pay for that in an apartment. It's sort of like hit and miss. We've got water and heat water. included. We have to pay for our own power and internet, but water and mm. heat are included. So, yeah. Um, we we were in an apartment before this. We didn't have to pay for water. We had to pay for the laundry, but not the water usage or anything. So you could take it, you know. 30 minute shower if you wanted to we moved into the house here i immediately reverted back to i I finally understood my dad uh you know when we were living in uh, on the farm we didn't have water indoors we had a well and we had to (laughs) we didn't have water you know (laughs) well we boiled my mom spent about six hours a day boiling enough water to cook wash dishes and bathe in uh but uh when we moved into the metropolis of la salle uh my dad i guess oh i gotta pay for water here like such a cheapskate uh, I didn't realize until I was eight years old and moved to the city. I didn't realize that you were allowed to flush the toilet every time you went to the bathroom. You know, <laughs> it, it was his rule was like that: if it's yellow, let it mellow; if it's brown, flush it down. You know, so that was standard practice. When I moved here, I'm like, you know what? It's the middle of the night. I don't want to wake up the kids by flushing the toilet <laughs> only this morning. <laughs> then Jamie comes in the next morning as a floater. Ah, oh, Colin, <laughs> flush the toilet. <laughs> you just blame the kids, uh, though. Casper, I've told you to oh, flush. Oh, Casper never, Casper never flushes. <laughs> it's, he saves us water, so I'm not going to get on his case about it. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I, I missed the part I've there, there with the the cab driver. I'm like, he was loaded and he was driving the car, but I guess there is a scene. I went back and watched over again. There is a scene where uh, where Dundee says, uh, you know what? Uh, you're not in any condition to drive. I'll take the wheel, right? That's and very un-Australian. We're all drunks and just get behind the wheel anyway. <laughs> that's how you keep population control, right? Yep. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that, that that's not a knife thing because, again, it's, it's, a, it's a funny moment. It's a great moment. It's, I would say more so than funny. It's one of these moments where you watch it like, oh, yeah, you know, that's that's fantastic. Like, this is this is a tough Australian. <laughs> but uh, I, I didn't quite get, like, I knew that line. And then when I watched it in the movie, I'm like, that's it? I thought it would be a bigger part of the movie. And nothing wrong with it. It's just it obviously became a thing somehow. And who knows how. I think promotion probably had a lot to do with that. I will say, uh, though, that I do, like, it's one of those lines that if you're at dinner and it's like, oh, here's a knife. I always go, oh, that's not a knife. Like it's, it's yeah, that's we, a we, knife. you know how you kind of have things like there's um uh there's a, a bank in Australia, my bank, uh their, their famous um advertising campaign, basically they would you know blah 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 come to the bank come to the bank and then they'd go which bank the Commonwealth Bank so like which bank was just synonymous with Commonwealth so in Australia if you're like oh yeah I've just got to go to the bank you would go oh which bank and they'd go not that one. Um, like it was just a thing. It was a joke. Ha ha ha. So I do it here. So like matter of fact, I'm going to go to the bank and I'm like, which bank? And she'd be like, what? <laughs> like, oh, that Australian thing. See, ha, ha. <laughs> that's what we're saying. Yeah, Australian out of their element. You still live 2021. You're still living Crocodile Dundee. Yep, exactly. That That's it's not a, a joke. That's a joke. <laughs> that's a joke. <laughs> um, the, uh, the one thing that I thought might not be considered appropriate, but Knuckle didn't even have an issue with, where he refers to somebody who sees a therapist as uh, being a lunatic. Uh, yeah. Uh, yep. So, oh, I didn't realize that they're in lunatic asylums here. Uh, they go to a psychiatrist. Like, even that, I was like, ooh, that one doesn't age well. Uh, but yeah, but Knuckle didn't mind it. But, I mean, again, that's one of those cultural things, isn't it? That, like, you know, in a, in Australia, in the middle of the outback, you assume that people who have psychiatric I mean, again, the 80s, it's still mental health is still something that's, you know, not mm-hmm. widely accepted as a thing. So, like, it is still i guess in the 80s being a thing like you go to the psychiatrist if you, you just need to talk to someone and a, an australian bushman he's not going to know that like that's yeah. exactly going to be his reaction uh another thing that's not brought up as offensive uh, in the article uh but i actually really like this part going back to you know sergeant al powell here from Die Hard, uh his limo driver where uh you know he says oh you might you must be doing really well if you own this car like because again he's thinking he's a tribesman uh, after the fight where he he takes the ornament off and throws the boomerang, uh, says, oh, so you are a member of the whatever, whatever tribe. And he goes, Harlem Warlord tribe. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he plays up on the joke. Like, it's not offensive. This is the joke, you know? It's, it's, it's not downplaying him. It's not meant to hold down the, this this poor black man in the movie it's actually meant to lift him up you know he's he's the other tough guy in this movie and he says yeah we're warlords in harlem you know i don't consider anything offensive about it um yeah really only thing i have to add just on that final uh scene oh one, one thing i made a note of here <laughs> so just to go along with my point about there is nothing particularly crazy about crocodile dundee the scene when he's on the way to the subway when he's in Times square jamie at that point had woken up so she's here for the last like 15 minutes of the movie and you see Crocodile Dundee with his hat, his vest, everything, walking through Times Square. She looks at the street and says, get a load of those clothes. And I'm like, Crocodile Dundee? She goes, no, that guy in the background there. Like, it was the extras wearing their bad 80s clothes that stood out more than Crocodile Dundee. So I think <laughs> this movie does lose a lot of humor now because 
what he's wearing doesn't look so odd, but what the background characters are wearing was hilarious to Jamie. He's like, oh. We, the other night we were coming back from uh, where we're at Mount Washington. You got to drive through a town called Duncan, which is like, I don't know, an hour outside of Victoria. And Duncan's a shithole. Like it's it's a dump. Uh, it should be called Dumpin. Uh, it's kind of like Nanaimo. <laughs> Nanaimo, finally been there. Dump, shit, don't go yeah. there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But we we had gone uh, we'd gone to a shop we'd gone to dinner as we were driving out of the parking lot this guy walks in front of us legitimately dressed like a pirate and he's just walking <laughs> down the street just normal as day and Mallory's like oh it's Jack Sparrow and I'm like why is he dressed like a pirate and Mallory's response was we're in Duncan don't question it <laughs> it's a normal Duncan thing apparently so yeah hello to all our Duncan I got listeners it's Duncan. yep. <laughs> Uh, downloads will spike this week if you very, tag into the episode. Very Australian song by a very Australian artist, Slim Dusty, probably our, you know, Australia's greatest country artist, is a, a famous song called I'd Like to Have a Beer with Duncan. And it goes, I'd like to have a beer with Duncan because Duncan's me, mate. I didn't see, I, I wondered about uh, country music in Australia when you mentioned earlier on, you know, people listen to country. Because <laughs> the only Australian country I can think of is Keith Urban. And I can't imagine that, like, rough and tough backwoods people in Australia are going to listen to Keith Urban. It's countries are very like, whereas in this part of the world, it's much more mainstream. Like you have generic general country stations. Like, I mean, you're, you're mm-hmm. sort of more central. I'm guessing you'd have a lot more than we would, but we've still got at least one or two country stations. Everyone I meet, like country music is just part of life, right? Like it's, it's normal. Whereas in Australia, it's still very selective. Like, you don't have country stations. They will not play country on commercial radio, although they will play some Keith Urban. And my dad one time was like, they started playing Keith Urban on commercial. That's country. That's not commercial music. Like, this is bullshit. But um, I've got some very good friends who are in a country band, the Wolf Brothers, who have sort of made it somewhat over this part of the world, but uh, very big in Australia. They were runners-up on Australia's Got Talent and then basically went on to big things. Um it's just it's a it's a very specialized genre in Australia, and if you listen to "I'd Like to Have a Beer with Duncan," you'll hear how Australian and you know a lot more of our stuff is I think sounding a bit more poppy and a bit more Americanized. Either been like yeah yeah like the Wolf Brothers are turning a bit more like radio friendly poppy country, but like legitimately country is not like Taylor Swift destroyed country music among many things because there was a radio there was a song on the radio the other day and I Shazam and I'm like oh I like this song. And Mallory's mum, who knows I don't like country music, she likes country music, she bags me out. She's like, that's a country song, Ben. I'm like, this isn't a country song. She's like, it's a country song. This is why this artist. I'm like, this is not. I'm, like, I'm getting angry. I'm like, this is not a country song. Look it up on Wikipedia. It says, blah, blah, blah song is a country song. And I'm like, this is not mm. country. What, what yeah, is this it's- world coming to? I mean, I'm like you, I can't stand country music, like the sound of it, everything, but it's become so blurred and mainstream. Uh, it is funny. I remember years ago, there was, a, it was Keith Urban of all people. They had the billboard for the country station here that had Keith Urban on it. And uh, I guess people who listen to country music would take offense to it. I remember one person saying that they, they turned to their kids and say, Hey kids, look, it's a vegan cowboy. <laughs> 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 but yeah, the, 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 there's it's very much middle ground now. <laughs> but I, I don't like country either. So yeah, there's a reason why it's called country music. <laughs> I and saw, Ben's cancelled again. <laughs> I, I saw I saw a meme the other day. It was like um, two people talking, and it's like, "Hey, do you like music? Yes. Do you want to do? It's like, do you know people who do like music? Yes." Do you want to do the complete opposite of that so people don't like it? Okay. And it's got the subtitle, The Invention of Country Music. <laughs> it's To be honest, it's the only genre I will not really 
I'm immediately turned off on. I'm not going to, somebody says, oh, you got to hear this country song. Nope, not happening. It's, you know? Country and metal for me are the ones where I'm like, okay, there are definitely maybe a couple of songs in each genre. I'm like, okay, I'll listen to that. But like full on screamo metal. It's yeah, like, like thrash metal. Yeah. What, what, what is this? Um, <laughs> sorry, you know all our metalhead see? country fans listening right now. You have to see um, a great Canadian, we will add it, a great Canadian documentary on uh, a, like a very heavy uh, Canadian 80s metal band called Anvil, the story of Anvil. You've, you might have heard of it. Never heard of it. I think it got an Oscar nomination for best documentary too. But uh, yeah, these washed up 80s uh, thrash metal band Anvil, quite an entertaining documentary. But uh, I feel, I feel those guys go through a lot of throat lozenges. Like they must, like that's the <laughs> whole industry right there. Like they've got, I get sore throats just listening to them. Yeah, are you familiar with Henry Rollins? Yeah, I know the name. Yeah, didn't wasn't he in a movie? We well, recently... he was. Yeah, he was. He was an actor in something we covered recently. I can't remember what it was. Uh, well, it was um, he was the the hockey coach in um, Oh Jack Frost. Jack Frost. Yeah, 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 yeah. Henry Rollins. If you ever hear him sing, like it is. How does this guy even speak after that? <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the the last scene here, I think it really is the best thing in the movie. I mean, my favorite scene's probably the the old lady I thought was hilarious. The party scene's great. Uh, but this last scene, it's very clever. It's probably the one thing in the movie that still to this day is like, that's unique. That's not what you would expect the end of this movie. A game of telephone across you know subway platform. And Jamie was saying like, why wouldn't they just move it in? Why does he have to walk on their heads? I'm like, they're right on the edge of the subway platform. I mean, he, you push through that. Somebody's dying, you know? So it actually does make sense. But just her yelling across there, tell them this. I just want him to be able to what what was that he says what was that like it goes on for quite a while and it's just mundane conversation very personal conversation it's such a great scene um I, the the freeze frame you said in the end i mean maybe it is an australian thing as well but i just saw that as totally an 80s thing i think every 80s movie ends with like a freeze frame somewhere but it's a really good scene i mean overall uh you know i still don't see anything in this movie that stands up you know as like classic this is a must-see movie but there's nothing in here that isn't enjoyable mm. um it, it's it, exactly what we sort of said you know at the beginning of this it's it's an okay movie it's it's fine for what it is yeah and like it you know okay noah said he watched this recently and said oh it doesn't hold up at all and like okay there there are some things again we've talked about but like overall if you just want to have an enjoy like of all the movies we've watched this month this is like just put it on enjoy like you know it doesn't matter what culture you're from or anything like you're going to take things yeah. differently like whereas i'm going to enjoy swinging safari a hundred times more than you are and clearly with dead ring is like it's 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 different right whereas like this is just like a and uh, this sounds it's weird. universal it's a, that's like we we're saying with my big fat movie yeah and yeah, want- it's like, just like I was saying with my big fat Greek wedding, you know, this genre is just universal. Beverly Hills Cop. I mean, that's kind of what we said. Yeah, you know, it was it was good. We're not flipping out over it the way people were in 1984. But, you know, 30, 35 years later, you can still get enjoyment out of it. Yeah. And this is the 35th anniversary of Crocodile Dundee. I don't think we mentioned that. Happy 35th anniversary to Crocodile Dundee. I'm sure people will find more offensive ways to um to, to, <laughs> to talk about it. Um, So this movie, obviously, was slightly successful. Um, I think for a long time this held like the record for most successful like money made off a small budget. Eight million dollars this movie cost to make, which Paul Hogan I think raised money something to do with tax. So there's probably why he keeps getting brought up on tax charges. (laughs) Um, Which I don't know where I read it. It's somewhere that he he raised the money through. Maybe it's here. Film's budget was raised through the 10BA tax concessions, 
via Morgan Sharebrokers. Film and TV financing in Australia refers to government assistance. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, too much reading there for me to do that. Um, but went on to make $328 million worldwide. So uh, basically a profit of like $320 million in 1986 money, this is. Um, I'll, I'll get to more of the box off. Actually, no, I'll go back to the reviews in a second. Um, so domestically, uh, 174803506 So... A uh, lot more globally there as well. Um, this was the second highest grossing film of 1986, only beaten by Top Gun, uh, which is insane to think that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, second highest one of the of the year. Beat out The Karate Kid Part 2, beat out Aliens, beat out Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home, beat out Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, beat out some big movies. Uh, back to School. What's Back to School, Colin? Um, usually early September. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about the movie. <laughs> um, hang on, that deserves a. No worries. There we go. Yes. Uh, I, I feel like for a very Australian movie, I've barely used this. Fair dinkum. Exactly. Um, Do you call me a dinker? What's that? Fair dinkum. It's like, uh, yeah, of course. Um, this opened up with eight million dollars. So basically, it made its budget in its opening weekend. Uh, also opening up that weekend, The Name of the Rose. Um, there you go. Uh, Stand By Me was number two movie that week. It'd been out for eight weeks. Top Gun in its 20th week, still raked in $2 million. <laughs> um, the Karate Kid Part 2 in its 15th week was still making $1.4 million. And Aliens in its 11th week, still making $11 million, uh, $1 million. Ben, you can read the numbers. They're pretty things in front of you. Um, nominated for a bunch of awards. This was nominated for an Oscar. Uh, did yeah. you know for best original screenplay it lost out to Hannah and her sisters by uh, Woody Allen also nominated my beautiful laundrette by Hannah Karishi platoon by Oliver Stone and Salvador by Oliver Stone and Richard Boyle. So there you go. Uh, nominated against some big names, golden globes. It got three uh, nominations for best actor, motion picture, musical or comedy, best supporting actress, motion picture and best motion picture. It won Paul Hogan won. Uh, he beat out Jack lemon for that's life. Danny DeVito in ruthless people, Jeff Daniels in something wild and Matthew Broderick in Ferris Bueller's day what? off. Now I like crocodile Dundee, <laughs> Gotta say, Matthew Broderick robbed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, coming soon to the Oz Network, my second favourite movie of all time. Um, yeah, come on. that That's wrong. Um, Crocodile Dundee lost out to Hannah and Her Sisters as a comedy musical. Uh, also nominated Crimes of the Heart, Down and Out in Beverly Hills, Little Shop of Horrors, and Peggy Sue Got Married. Not even... Uh, Matthew uh, Ferris Bueller got nominated in uh, that that category. Maggie Smith in a room with a view beat out Linda Kozlowski. Uh, also nominated were Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio, Kathy Tyson, and Diane West. All those famous people. Uh, Diane West, not even West. 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 Her. West. Um, Dennis Hopper was nominated twice in supporting actor and did not win. So. Poor old Dennis Hopper. Um, uh, reviews, yes. Um, yes. This uh, has an eighty-eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes, pretty high. Uh, the critics' consensus says infectiously easygoing charm 
and a leading man in the role he was born to play helped Crocodile Dundee make the most of its familiar fish out of water premise. Audience polled by CinemaScore gave the film an average rating of B plus on an A plus to F scale. Uh, basically, all the reviews are positive here. Um, whereas at Roger Ebert said all of the cliches are in the right places, most of the gags pay off, and there are moments of real amusement as the Australian cowboy wanders around Manhattan as a naive sightseer. Oh, he's the one who says the problem is that there's not one moment of chemistry between the two stars. Um, I don't know if I agree with that. Um, as I mentioned, most successful Australian movie of all time, essentially. Um, Robert Hughes complained in 2000 that to Americans, Crocodile Dundee is a work of social realism giving them a Wild West fantasy about Australia. Although David Drogger said in 2018 that there has never been a better ad for Australia than that movie. I'd almost agree with that. I, I, if you had to show a movie, if someone, I met someone tomorrow, oh, you're from Australia. I've never heard of it. I thought it didn't exist. <laughs> Tell me about Australia. Watch Crocodile Dundee. Uh, and the castle. <laughs> Balance it out. Um, go with that. Um... Before I get to user reviews and keywords, of course, there have been two sequels to this movie. Have you seen any of the sequels, Colin? No, I remember seeing one scene from the sequel. The sequel has a scene about the, the person jumping off a building, right? I Again, I don't think I've seen number two. I've only seen the Los Angeles. Because I always mixed up. I, I uh, Lethal Weapon has seen with somebody jumping off the building. I know Crocodile Dundee did. They came out like the exact same time. Uh, and I would always picture... Crocodile Dundee when Mel Gibson's jumping off the building and I always picture Mel Gibson and Crocodile Dundee but I think it was just something I was flipping through channels one day and Crocodile Dundee 2 was on I remember when 3 came out I was like oh I've never seen those movies maybe I should get around and watch them and see part 3 and then part 3 bombed and I think it was gone from theaters after 2 weeks so I never got a chance to see it yeah I think that got a bunch of Razzie nominations uh, like I, I remember seeing 3 and like again it was like okay um, but like I feel it's one of these movies that if I watched today I would just be like fuck that's bad um mm. so yeah um but they i think we mentioned last week about how there was um a super bowl commercial a couple of years ago where they sort of teased it and everyone thought like oh there's gonna be a reboot there's a new one coming with um, danny mcbride just, the what with danny mcbride oh yeah yeah, yeah. i thought you said the man who cried i'm like what who cried? <laughs> um, well i'm sure danny mcbride has cried before yeah <laughs> No, he's somebody who never cries. Um, <laughs> Was he a Sheila? <laughs> but like the whole ad is just basically like um, a, a tourism campaign for Australia. I think Chris Hemsworth in it. Um, Ruby Rose, fuck her. Um, <laughs> Paul Hogan does make like a cameo. He's like in the background or something like that. Um, and then Hugh Jackman plays the Prime Minister of Australia. I want to see a movie where Hugh Jackman is the Prime... Fuck it. I want Hugh Jackman to actually want... run for Prime Minister of Australia. Yeah, there you go. He would win The Rock in a for President and Hugh Jackman for Prime Minister. Oh, he would He would win in a landslide. Michael um, J. Fox for Canadian Prime Minister. Indeed, yes. No, no, keep it Sutherland, Colin. He's been <laughs> President of the USA. <laughs> and his sister could be backup. Um, backup Prime Minister, that's what they call them now. <laughs> Hi, I'm back up Prime Minister. Um, <laughs> plot keywords. Um, female reporter talking to a stranger. Uh, Italian-American. Street prostitute month. Okay, I'm down. <laughs> yeah, pretty woman isn't number one. Okay, it's not number one. Seriously. Uh, Watchmen number one. Heat number two. The Juice number three. And National Lampoon's Vacation number four. Uh, is pretty woman not even on this? Isn't that whole movie about a, a prostitute? <laughs> Uh, they could have even called it Pretty Prostitute. Well, here's, here's a movie I think we should cover. The 1991 film Whore. 
A night in the life of a cynical <laughs> prostitute forms the basis of Ken Russell's portrait of the world's oldest profession. I'm down. Um, long distance call month. These are really boring. There's a there's crotch grab month. Okay, what's in it? The gentleman. Yep. Uh, call me by your name. <laughs> Gladiator Thor Ragnarok. Okay. Um, kangaroo month feature. Okay, there's literally a movie called Kangaroo Jack. And you don't even have that at number one. Well, mind you, nothing. No one should ever have Kangaroo Jack at number one except the films that suck. Uh, Inside Out, Mulholland Drive, Holiday, and Horton Hears a Who. Uh, can we do Kangaroo Jack for Bad Movie Month? I think we talked about that last year, so maybe oh, we should throw it in there. God. Um, you know a movie that's like generally considered bad, which actually is like really stupidly fun, is the Crocodile Hunter movie? Did you ever watch that? Oh, I love that movie. I thought it was great. That movie is so bad, it's good. Um, yeah. Uh, Australian Stereotype Month. Here we go. Featuring Crocodile Dundee. Crocodile Dundee 2. Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles. <laughs> and Kangaroo Jack. <laughs> what about Lightning Jack? Yeah, sadly not there. Oh, The Simpsons, Bart vs. Australia is number 11. <laughs> uh, uh, user reviews. I feel would be, yeah, one star for this one because this film's generally light. There's only two one-star reviews, Colin. Oh. Have you have you? This found and Dead them? Ringers are very popular, we found. Um, one star by Joachim O'Keefe. See you much later, <laughs> alligator. All right. This was written in 23rd of August, 2020. Here we go. This was a big hit in 1986. So were Duran Duran. I seem to remember seeing that this movie manages to stretch a foreign hick can't work out what a bidet is for a gag for 10 minutes. Standards in 1986 must have been pretty low. It has a couple of It's good not gags. even a 10 second shot. It has a couple of good gags spread thin like the last knockings of a jar of Vegemite. I definitely remember Crocodile Dundee too. And the totally forgotten CD in Los Angeles being a painful turkey. It's amazing that this slow, sexist, spurific yawn fooled any of the people any of the time. And it was plain to see then, as it will forever, that the perfectly amiable Linda Kozlowski cannot act to save her life <laughs> or even her doomed marriage to the protagonist. I think she can act. Doomed marriage? How long were they married for? Like nearly 20 years, nearly 30 years. That's pretty good. Like 1986 to not 2014, so that's 28 years, isn't it? Um, I mean, Ben and Mallory have already decided they're not lasting that long. We haven't even lasted a month. Um, <laughs> the other one here is Cedric Catsuits. Cedric Catsuits. Um, one star. Disgusting. Um, there's nothing exciting in their review. Oh, oh, I love this. The hero is an arrogant, selfish, chauvinistic bully. How is he a chauvinistic bully? He saved two prostitutes from their pimp. Yep. That's a that's a nice man there. Um, yeah. Cedric Catsuits has done a lot of shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I got to read another one from this uh, review hero for this. As this is clearly a vehicle for Paul Hogan, one wonders why on earth he did it. He wrote it. <laughs> Okay, you're gonna you're gonna like Cedric Catsuits, right? These are the movie reviews he has got, and I'm just gonna read the headlines, okay? And just bear with me because you'll understand why you're gonna enjoy this. <laughs> Miss Sloan, mesmerizing. Tomb Raider, that's 2018's Tomb Raider, overdue. He just likes to write one word. The Imitation <laughs> Game, brilliant. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, stupid. Scream Two, hmm. Die another day, poor effort. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes! Okay, you're back in my good graces. Although, hang on, no. He's going to be in your bad graces here. Brosnan, Brosnan just isn't Bond. And let's be honest, not an actor either. Oh, you wow. know what? You go join Butt Knuckle. <laughs> Hold on a second. I'm going through his reviews here. He gave eight stars to a good day to die hard. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um... The invention of lying. I just watched that. Delightfully irreverent. irreverent. Um, there's a movie called Bumblefuck USA, which, which he said pointless and pretentious. Wait, Bumblefuck USA exists. Is that the, the life story of Luke Fuckknuckle or whatever his name is? <laughs> Distraught by her gay friend's death, a young Dutch woman travels to her dead friend's small American town to make a documentary about homosexuality in Bumblefuck USA. Why does that movie sound amazing? <laughs> uh, I just want to point two things out about um, Mr. Cat, Cat, Cat Spade or whatever. What's his name? <laughs> Cat Spade. That's it. Cat Spade. Cat Spade. Uh, so first of all, every single time he gives a negative review to something, it's one star. There's no middle ground. Uh, second of all, he gave nine stars to Dirty Dancing. Oh, he's irrelevant. Go away. <laughs> well, I mean, as if. You, who would give nine stars? Like, fuck off. You bumblefuck USA. <laughs> um, <laughs> what are we doing with this movie, Colin? Look, I can't go as far to say that I'm going to buy this movie. Um, because when I watched it originally, it wasn't memorable enough for me to ever go out of my way to watch again. And even now... It's fine for what it is, um, but it's perfectly enjoyable. There's nothing bad I can really say about it. There's just nothing that stands out so much where this is a must-see. So it's a, a renter. It's a rent. I, I'm actually going to buy it. I like. I I liked it more than I was thinking I would. It's just it's just harmless fun, and like I could watch this movie again. Like I just it's just it's just there. It's kind of you put it on. It's enjoyable. You don't have to think too hard. It's not dead ringers. Um, it's just dumb fun. <laughs> and I feel that, yeah, like as I said, I enjoyed it more than I was expecting. It's kind of like Elf. It's kind of like, oh, you know, I maybe didn't give it as much credit when I watched it. So, yeah, I'm going to put this uh, as a buy and I'm going to put this at number two in my Canada v. Australia month rankings. You're pretty Swingy Safari ahead of this? Hell yeah. Swingy Safari is brilliant. Oh. I, I wish I had to put Swingy Safari in my top 50 <laughs> movies of all time. I wish I had to put Swingy Safari in my top 10 movies of the 2010s. I completely forgot wow. about it. I love Swinging um, Safari. Because Swinging Safari is still bottom of my list. <laughs> ah, boo. I am going to put this slightly higher than Dead Ringers. I mean, Dead Ringers is a better movie. It is well made. Uh, it's It has some brains to it. it it's, it's unique. Um, but this is easily more watchable. So even though I wouldn't go out of my way to watch either of these movies again, uh, I would sooner go out of my way to watch Crocodile Dundee again. But uh, I already know what my number one is going to be because that's still to come. And what is still to come, Colin? Tell us more about Treed Mar- Freed. What Treed is it? Murray. Treed Murray. Okay. Uh, so this is, uh, I would say it will be the hardest movie for people to find if you were legitimately trying to find this movie, but it's available on YouTube. Uh, so look up, spell T-R-E-E-D, and then the second is the name Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y. Uh, this is a very low-budget Canadian movie from the early 2000s that uh the plot is essentially a businessman gets stuck in a park in the middle of the night and gets chased up a tree by a gang. Uh, and wow. it is so, it's so <laughs> fascinating. Uh, this movie, when it came out, it did get some, to get nominated for best picture at the genies does not take much. 
uh, because <laughs> there's, Phil did. typically it was, <laughs> there, there's only a couple of, you know, Canadian movies per year, but this movie just sort of, it came out. Nobody really talked about it. I just stumbled across it one day at Blockbuster and loved the movie. Uh, but in the years since this has actually developed a much bigger following, people have caught on to this movie and really appreciate it. Uh, it, the main actor in it is like, you know, a real star in Canada, David Hewlett. Uh, and you have like a small role from uh, Aaron Ashmore, uh, who is Jimmy Olsen on Smallville. I'm not going to say small role. He's one of the supporting gang members in it. Uh, but I love this movie. I, I love it so much that one day uh, when Blockbuster was going out of business and they were selling everything on the shelf, uh, I went and I found Treed Murray there so I could own a copy of Treed Murray. Because it's not like you find Treed Murray, you know, at Best Buy or Walmart or anything else like that. But th- this movie I'm so excited about because it's so small, it's so different. And last year, when we finished the first Australian Canadian month, we sort of ran down at the end, here's some potential movies we're going to do. I remember I said, oh, there's this movie, there's this movie, this movie. The one movie that I absolutely have to do is Treed Murray. So I promised this a year ago and we're finally going to deliver. So this will be the best movie of the month. I'm convinced. I'm looking at David Hewlett's filmography to see if I recognize him anything. Um, yeah. I more, more Canadian stuff. He's done some American movies. I mean, he was uh, in Boa vs. Python, uh, <laughs> Made in Canada, Volume 1, Best of the CFC, where he played himself. Uh, good for him. Um, and also <laughs> in Milkman. I want to watch that. So, yeah, he was I, I, um, if people want to picture his face, if you've never seen like because he was on a, a very successful Canadian TV show called Traders, where he was easily a star of that uh, another kind of cult favorite here in Canada movie called Cube. He was a star of. But um, outside of Canada, if you've ever seen Rise of the Planet of the Apes, he's the pilot who at the end of the movie is revealed to basically spread the virus that wipes oh, out the spoiler. entire planet. Come on. <laughs> Like, I mean, I kind of get it from the title that there will be a rise somewhere of apes. And I guess they have to get that rise from somewhere. It's probably not monkey porn, but, you know. Well, it's it, David Hewlett, and we know it, that now. It is. There you go. Um, all right. Well, that's next week, Treat Murray. How are we going by this so quickly? Uh, of course, you're listening to this today. Basically, Treat Murray will be out in basically a couple of days because uh, yeah. we realized we started a week late. So you're getting two episodes. Somebody had to get married. I know. Um, space of a couple of days. So uh, Colin and I will actually be doing a quick turnaround. We'll be doing Treed Murray like in a day or so. Um, but uh, stay tuned for that. And we will reveal in our next episode what we're doing next month. Because actually it's quite it's exciting. changing. It is. It's, it's, we've already mentioned one movie in this episode that we're doing next month. So that's quite exciting. Um, thanks for tuning in. My name is Ben and that's not a podcast. Rob has a podcast. He's actually a podcast. (laughs) And my name is Colin, and that's not a quote. That's a quote. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time.